1: It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL. Hey, Steve. Hi, how you doing? Good. Get your uh, get the pen you like. I got the right pen. Uh-huh. We almost didn't make it back to the seats in time, but I got my pen. That doesn't write. No. It's just more
0: for the feel. operates on here.
1: It does. Somebody said when I was doing my single high safety stuff, I should just draw on the board instead of using. Oh, yeah, I could just do it. So we can go X's and O's. Oh, okay. I'll just do that next time. Yeah. Great. Yeah, so if you guys there. are listening. A lot more sense. You should probably watch, too, on YouTube, because we can maybe uh, draw some plays up here. I was drawing that uh, sack against the three technique. Yeah, for the for that the would make more sense week. than you know, which somebody alerted to me was more of a more of a two eye alignment, mm. like a wide nose tackle alignment. I was off, but they were slanting away, so the same principle applied anyway. Ireland got smoked, huh? Yeah, yeah, it got it went bad. Sorry
0: about that. It that, was like that's rugby, by the way. Yeah, I was saying I, I avoided the result. Watched on delay, and after 10 minutes, we were only 3-0 down. But already I was confident enough that it was going south that I checked the score just to find out how ugly it got.
1: Can we get a football? Turns out it got plenty ugly. Football analogy here? Like, what was, this was, what was the, the matchup and who won by how much?
0: This was the take-your-pick of NFC Championship games. This was the 2017 or 2000 Minnesota Vikings NFC Championship game where you show up, you think you're good, you're against another really good team, and immediately you can
1: tell oh this is going bad in 2000 they lost what 41 nothing against the giants yeah and then against the eagles i don't remember what the final was but it was it was domination
0: yeah and it was one of those ones where very early on you can tell oh this is going bad sorry about that ireland yeah last year was our year and we really blew it Mm -hmm. it's true so there was no world cup last year so you know well that's why it would have
1: been tricky to win one then well you just can't uh i got nothing sorry Anyway, let's get to Week Seven's action. Uh, Starting on Thursday night, of course, the big news. Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Patrick Mahomes injured. However, the reports continue to be... injury. Yeah, really weird. The the reports continue to get more positive. They think... They initially said worst case scenario, or best case scenario, they thought was three weeks. Mm -hmm. And now Shafter's reporting could be better than best case. Could be even sooner. I don't think better than best case is... Better th- than their initial best case scenario. Let me just start by this: everybody trashing the Chiefs for using a QB sneak to get their quarterback injured, and I, you know, was tweeting about it. I couldn't remember a time where a QB got hurt on a sneak. I was alerted; a few people had picked up some concussions here and there. That
0: makes sense, at least. But see, nobody's hey, running a head. sneak,
1: being like, "Hey, watch out for your uh, right,
0: well, watch out for your kneecap." Ran QB sneaks yesterday? How dare they expose that Like the point is. How many thousands of QB sneaks, and I don't remember ever. This has never happened before. QB popping his kneecap off with a QB sneak? That's ridiculous. That That is complete and total freak injury. Um, So that's absurd. Like, okay, if you want to make the argument that you don't want to expose the guy to a hit to the head by plowing his way into a pile, fair enough. I can at least understand that argument. But the idea that a quarterback that already has a busted left ankle Well, you're exposing his right knee to his kneecap being popped off by running a QB sneak. That's ridiculous. Be quiet.
1: Yeah. So that was, um, look, overall, the game was not good for Denver looking completely inept on offense. Uh, Joe Flacco, when he actually threw the ball, wasn't bad. The problem was the fumbles in the pocket. Uh, Too many of those. He was inviting a ton of pressure. So it looked like Denver's offensive line was getting smoked. They really weren't. It was just a lot of. Well, it's, it's taking a long it's time the, in the it's, pocket.
0: Yeah, it's all the. It's a few things. Flacco taking some time, but more importantly, I, he's one of those quarterbacks where, like, when the problems come, he makes them worse. Yeah. So there's one play that I I meant to pull up and, and throw it on Twitter, but by the time I had he delivered a pass to somebody else. So it would have been like, you know, too late essentially. Yeah. But sort of drops back, looks up, there's a guy coming from his left. And it was like, runs to the right and fumbles the ball. Complete disaster. You're like, look, whatever about when the guy, we talk all the time about the difference between pressures, hits and sacks can be once you're beat, what happens after that is not down to you. It's down to the quarterback and other things, right? Now there are some quarterbacks where when the pressure comes, they'll find a way to mitigate it to either get rid of the ball, to make that guy miss, or whatever, to make to minimize the damage that can happen. Flacco works the other way, where it's like he will find a way to maximize the damage done <laughs> once the offensive lineman is beat. Yeah. So consequently, when the offensive linemen are beat, it looks worse. Because every time it happens, it's a disaster. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Donald Penn got beaten for one sack back in 2016, and that was the one that broke Derek Carr's leg. So everyone was like, well, Donald Penn wasn't that great. Look, got his quarterback hurt. Like the guy, got, once, one sack. <laughs> um, but right. that's all it takes. So Denver's offensive line didn't actually get beaten that often. They 45 pass blocking blocking snaps each. Um, and, you know, Ron Leary was beaten basically one bad pressure. Um Garrett Bowles was beaten more than that, but so essentially, if you count up all of his penalties and all of his pressures, we're talking like seven plays, which is bad, but it's way far away from the worst plays you're ever going to see from an offense or the worst like ratio of pass blocking to, you know, pressure and bad plays you'll see from an offensive lineman. You know, you see guys double digits, horrendous type uh, ratios. Bowles wasn't that bad. But every time it happened, it looked worse because Flacco finds a way of maximizing the damage.
1: So just looking at the numbers yesterday, uh, or this this entire week across the board, Dak Prescott was was pressured only five times, three of which became sacks. So again, right. I, I love referencing this stat. Percentage of pressure dropbacks that turn into sacks. It's all part of your premium stats 2.0 PFF elite package. It's just a great way to figure out okay, is the quarterback at fault for for some level of this joe Flacco forty four percent eight out of eighteen of his pressure dropbacks turned into sacks Daniel Jones we'll get to him in a minute he looked a lot like Flacco yesterday with the with regard to the sacks and the way he maneuvered the pocket um he's got a he doesn't have a great situation with the Giants, but yes he's taking far too many sacks as well so but
0: for example Taylor Decker yesterday coughed up seven um hurries had a penalty as well it gets a lot worse than garrett bowles was in that game but it's all about you judge offensive linemen by the end result and honestly the end result isn't really their doing they give up the pressure at that point it's it's other things that determine how bad it gets he did have three penalties as well right that's That's what i'm saying so if you add them all together it's seven total bad plays right essentially
1: All right, so uh, Thursday night, Kansas City, they win 30-6. to Matt Moore taking over that offense going forward. We'll talk more about it on the preview show. Uh, But it looks like they're going to roll with Matt Moore. There was a point where Matt Moore was the... He was kind of like the... uh, We used to joke like the gem of the quarterback free agency market every year because he'd be on all these one-year deals as a backup and he'd been pretty good the last time he played in like 2011 or 10 or whatever it was. So he should be able to run the offense efficiently enough with Andy Reed with some of those playmakers my concern would be the offensive line they trotting out Cam Irving all year even after a, a solid start to the season he's regressed back into Cam Irving at left tackle and then Martinez Rankin starting at left guard he was a guy that the Texans were ready to cut became a throw in and a trade to the Chiefs and um, he's not very good
0: no he was <clears throat> probably the worst offensive lineman on the field in that game Um, which is interesting because they have a significant upgrade sitting on the bench who admittedly only just got in the building but Stefan Wisniewski should at some
1: point take over that gig because why wouldn't that happen Wisniewski's weird man he just always seems to have put up solid grades for us but not always uh sticking around Um, He wasn't great last year, but like he took a big step back last year. He's got more good years than bad years. And if I was
0: trusting which one of those was going to get back on track, definitely with I
1: am all for, uh, you know, you know me, I'm all for give me the veteran. That's at least done it before. And hopefully he can stumble back into some success rather than hoping uh, a young guy develops. Um, So we'll talk more about the chiefs as we look forward. Where do you want to go with tomorrow's actions? Uh, Yesterday's action. Where are we? Yesterday, Uh, Sunday, week seven. Give me a game.
0: Uh, we better hope that this isn't done in order with the our fancy new, uh, where are we going? Over here. Fancy new ticker thing that we have down here. Let's hope there's no game thing in order. Otherwise, we'll screw up time. Oh, we away. don't have to go by order, right? Can we talk about Daniel Jones? Well, let's yeah, start. Sure. Let's talk about Daniel Jones to see if the wrong team pops up over there. And by over there, I mean over there. Where does it pop up? pops up right here in this little thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm just going to start watching our monitor. Right. Time. So if we start talking and somebody else's game pops up over there, we did it wrong.
1: ESPN's not going to grab our show if we continue to just be so unprofessional. We're just scratching so, the surface here, Steve. Yeah. We're just learning. So help us. Daniel us. Jones. Yeah. Um, I So
0: numbers are still being finalized. but As of right now, for this weekend, Daniel Jones leads the NFL in turnover-worthy plays and in big-time throws. What is amazing to me is that somehow the New York Giants have managed leads the league, leads the week, leads. I mean, leads the league this week.
1: Oh, yeah i I did the reviews. Right. What's amazing, big time throws. What's amazing to me is that
0: somehow the New York Giants have managed to replace Eli Manning with Eli Manning.
1: I wasn't amazed. That's exactly what we said. That's what they were looking for. But
0: it's a a complete clone, right? We've got goofy Manning face. We've got all shucks personality. We've got like sideline pictures of the two of them looking the same. We've got, we said pre-draft, the one of Daniel Jones' most impressive traits was his mannerisms in the pocket. And now right down to crazy turnovers slash big plays left and right. Now, here's a really interesting question, right? If you were told that you could, or Eli Manning, his career is coming to an end. It's been an unquestioned success because he had two great streaks that took you to two Super Bowl championships over the dynastic New England Patriots. So great job, Eli. Take a seat. We'll debate whether or not you deserve a place in Canton somewhere down the line. But for now, you did your job. Excellent. We are thrilled. And we're going to replace you with effectively the same guy, only... He's probably not going to have those two Super Bowl rings because that was absurdly improbable. Now, is that good?
1: No, I mean it's so if if we think that Daniel Jones is in this highly volatile group of quarterbacks, which the question I, is I stand by my pre-draft view of him as a Nick Foles type of player. If Daniel
0: Jones is Eli Manning that. without the Super Bowl rings, is that good?
1: No. Hmm. It's not. Okay, cuz that might be what they've just got. Okay, I'm going to skew more positively on Jones today. Yeah, pocket presence was a disaster. We've charged him with six sacks over the last uh, three or four games. I mean, he's uh, so that would be the difference between him and Eli. I know he's a rookie. I know all of this. The he's, liter- he's also literally averaging two throws a game that go directly to defenders. That's no, eight and four games now. Th- that's very Eli like. I, I understand that. Yesterday, um, I think the weather was a factor in a bunch of games. I think we have to acknowledge oh, we'll that. Get to that in a bit. In a lot of our analysis. Weather was a factor. I think his situation is horrendous. I mean, if if any other quarterback, if we, if Aaron Rodgers was being, well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the best playmakers to throw to either. He's he's making them good. Um, if other quarterbacks were throwing to this group of playmakers, we would be mentioning, hey, he's thrown to Darius Slayton and Cody Latimer. And I, I, the old lines crept back toward average. They're not horrendous. Um, Daniel Jones did make them look a little bit worse. So it's not like the best situation that he's in, mm-hmm. and he's shown he's shown flashes of of some good stuff. I think ultimately he does come back to this Folsian type of high highs and low lows and and just like Foles and just like Eli, you're hoping that the high highs lead you to the to the promised land in a- situ- when you have the perfect situation, yeah which Eli had a great defense he didn't have a great defense. Both of those years, he had a defense that played great in the playoffs. What's interesting. And he had some playmakers to throw to, and he had the ability to just make plays down the field, which he did. What's
0: interesting is that even just anecdotally over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, there've been quite a few of those guys that have done that. So sure. I keep mocking you with the whole Jameis thing. You know, it's never going to happen, but you've got Cam Newton strung together in MVP year. Went to a Super Bowl, albeit didn't win it. Eli Manning put together two seasons where he did. Joe Flacco put it all together for that one run that got him a a championship. Carson Palmer. Nick Foles took over, put his three-game stretch together, won. Um, Carson Palmer had the MVP season, MVP caliber season. And then it fell apart in the playoffs where he got injured and just couldn't play. Um, So So, he didn't get there. But that's a lot of guys that are in that high volatile spectrum that – actually did find like it all aligned for that one either season or stretch enough to get them to the Super Bowl. So I would intuitively say the chance of that actually happening are pretty minimum, but you can point to a lot of guys where it did.
1: I think as an organization, you have essentially one of three options. You have one of four options, and this goes back to the QB tiers before the season. You either have one of the top guys that even if you've got Jake Kumaro to throw to, Aaron Rodgers finds a way, or... Uh, Brady throwing to Philip Dorsett and Cordero Patterson in the playoffs last year, they find a way. Or Drew Brees throwing to Michael Thomas and a bunch of no names last year, they find a way. So you've got the top end guys who are just going to figure it out. And then you've got the tier two and three guys who have some sort of volatility the Jameis Winstons, the Cam Newtons, the Carson Palmers, maybe the Daniel Jones guys, Nick Foles. And then you got the safe guys, Alex Smith. Marcus Mariota's generally been on the safer end, where you, he's just not really gonna, he's not gonna have the high highs to carry a team. Tannehill is actually in that similar boat. So if you have the highly volatile guys, you can kind of hope that you catch a stretch, you catch a stretch of play. And there are certain volatile guys. Philip Rivers might actually be in that bucket. He's probably in the top ish tier, but he might be in that highly volatile bucket if we look back at his career. 'Cause he's had some rough seasons and he's had some really good seasons where it's like, man, this looks like a top five quarterback. Anyway, um I, I think yesterday in particular was more encouraging. I don't know. It's like right in the middle. It was. There was encouraging and there was discouraging. Yes. And that's I think gonna be the story of Daniel Jones. The highs are high and the lows are low. Right.
0: But ultimately you have to look at who <clears throat> who he was playing, which is the Arizona Cardinals and not a great defense, albeit one with Patrick Peterson reinstalled in the secondary. But that's, I think that opposition would skew in your favor in terms of making you look relatively good. But, yeah, we're looking at a guy who is classic young-ish Eli Manning, which is he's capable of making all these crazy big-time throws. But, God, just stop throwing the ball to defenders. How hard is that? They wear a different colored jersey than you for a reason. You, you throw to the guys in blue. They're in red. Or white and red. I like how you keep it. Don't simple. throw the ball to them. Like Rex Ryan had to break out a traffic light system for Mark Sanchez. This is traffic lights on the field. Throw to the blue people, not the red people. Stop. I mean, just only one stop that throw yesterday. Right, but that's now eight in four games that fumbles. he's thrown straight to defenders. Like, not, not ones where, you know, things are broken towards the guy and he's cut him. From, like, you've thrown it at the guy. There is a defender there in a different color jersey to you and you've thrown the ball to him. There's only so many times you can do that before bad things really happen. Okay. Stop it. Right. That's all I would say. Stop it because you're capable of making some great plays. And then, you know, after that, fix the fumbling in the pocket problem.
1: All that said, Kyler Murray didn't look much better on the other side either. No. He missed a few throws, had a couple had a couple nice ones in there, but this was a um it was more of a defense-driven win here. Yeah. For the Cardinals and sadly running game because the Giants didn't have a run defense. Yes. And the run game certainly carried them as well. Chase Edmonds, 27 carries for 126, forced five missed tackles. Kyler had a couple uh one big or a couple, one or two big scrambles in there that also helped. Uh, so, yeah, run driven, defense driven win for the Cardinals. Max Williams, by the
0: way, is having the most like comically <laughs> efficient season ever. Guys, you know, out there doesn't get much in the way of interest in the passing game, because obviously the Cardinals don't care about their tight end. But as of right now, he's caught all eight targets that have
1: been thrown his way. Well, they do now, though. The last they, They're they running a lot more two and sometimes three tight end sets. Right, he, but I mean in terms of uh,
0: who's receiving the ball. Oh. So they're out there a reasonable amount, but they're not significant parts of the targets. So Max yes. Williams has eight targets, eight catches.
1: But they've been... I. The part of the adjustment that they've made made in recent weeks is using more tight ends. Charles Clay played 29 uh, snaps yesterday. Max Williams played 31. Your boy, Andy Isabella, was out there for 10 and he Ten. was big game, pretty much
0: big game. Andy. Just a
1: decoy. He's every,
0: had 22 snaps in the last two weeks.
1: If you look at what, the way they used him, it was pretty much just on f- uh, jet motion, faking pitches. And yeah, first two targets this every, week, two catches for eight yards. Yeah, it was purely as a gimmick player. Yeah, which, by the way,
0: as a you know, if your primary gig is supposed to be a deep threat, two catches for eight yards, not really taking those boxes. Nope, not yet.
1: All right, so Arizona on a bit of a roll here. That NFC West really looking dangerous top to bottom. Like teams you just don't want to play, especially if Arizona's defense plays like they did yesterday. Yeah, but against the Giants. So you know. Sure. I just think it's fascinating that, we've gone from Eli
0: Manning to Eli Manning 2 version 2 2.0 whatever you want to call it
1: when you scout like that that's what you get when you're See, looking
0: but surely that's got to be a completely different
1: they were specifically
0: looking for him
1: they were specifically looking for Eli Manning you could tell you could hear the things that they like the thing that things that they want they they they've been having a tough time moving on from Eli Manning because they love his personality and they think it it works in New York there's all of these things that Eli showed that did lead to those two Super Bowl wins they were looking for in a quarterback and feel like they found it in Daniel Jones. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> like Baker Mayfield has a completely different personality. Josh Allen has a completely different personality. These are guys that they passed up passed up. You're or telling me that over up. the
0: last few years of declining Eli Manning and we desperately need to move on from this guy they were steadfastly we are not moving on from Eli
1: Manning until we find a new Eli Manning. Well they were also convincing themselves well he he's in you know OTAs making NFL throws. Right. Which, you know. 50 guys in the world can do anyway so anyway let's move on
0: Give me another game uh the rams beat down of the hapless abysmal wretched
1: atlanta falcons last year we were doing um was it last year we were doing funerals for teams were we i don't even remember i think i think as soon as we were like all right these teams are done we would atlanta might be the first like miami's funeral was week one but like atlanta This is just sad now. It was. It was a home game losing 37 to 10. That was depressing against the Rams. Um, Matt Ryan injured as well. Matt Schaub came in dealing, by the way. You wrote him off after that Hall of Fame game, too. Anybody can come in midway through a game and just sling up the ball. He's making some throws. Um, Matt Ryan. So speaking of offensive line issues, I did not expect Atlanta's offensive line to be great. I wasn't expecting them to be crippling. Yeah. And, and this is also one of those, even if the grades don't show it, Matt Ryan is just rushed. And I also, the more I'm watching this offense, Dirk Cutter running this offense where he is, you know, he's the guy that has been grooming Jameis the last couple of years. And we always talk about Jameis's volatility, which is in part due to the types of concepts that they run. We're talking 15, 20-yard downfield concepts. And there are a ton of plays you see yesterday where poor Matt Ryan sitting in the pocket like, I got three vertical routes here. Somebody get open, please. And every now and again, he he throws the deep out really well to Julio and the deep comebacks and all that stuff. But there are certain times he's just a sitting duck and he's rushed and he's got these vertical concepts that are um, just not great, which is the opposite of what, even when Steve Sarkisian was calling plays and getting trashed, he was calling some plays that put Atlanta in favorable situations. So from Kyle Shanahan to Steve Sarkisian, this Atlanta offense was scheming it up. Well, Creating open throws. They had good playmakers and they had a good offensive line. Now it feels like a lot more vertical, go beat your man type of routes behind an offensive line that can't protect in a in a very rushed Matt Ryan. And that's just in the in the, the offense isn't even the the worst of their issues. Right.
0: It, so, it, like we said a couple of weeks ago, or even last week, that at some stage, sometimes you just have to make a change because things have gotten so toxic that. something needs to change. So Matt Schaub, you want to start? No, I'm not talking about quarterbacks. I'm just talking generally, right? (laughs) Kidding. In Tennessee, it was the quarterback, right? At some point, you just have to say, look, what Mariota is doing is not acceptable. Even if it's not a massive clear upgrade, we need to change something. Something needs to change in Atlanta. Like there is an institutional problem that needs to be something just needs to happen because this team right now is drowning in its own ineptitude. And I don't care what you change, but something has to change because this is obnoxious. Um, You know, so if we could relate this to me again for a while. Yeah, let's do that. Um, If you've ever played in a game, usually just a sort of pickup game, but you can can go back to your own athletic career, Steve. I believe you've had one. Um, If you're ever playing a team that is so overtly much better than you are, right? They're more skilled. probably not bigger than you because you're a large gentleman, but if they're bigger, faster, stronger, just generally, this is only going to go one way. They're going to win. You're going to spend the entire day getting pretty pissed off because that's what happens when you lose. And the only thing left to do is to make it ugly and turn it into a fight. Right? You're like, well, look, I may be losing, but at least they're going to suffer more pain than I will.
1: Can't relate. I was never a fighter.
0: So, In this, this game, this is what happened in this game because Devontae Freeman was so frustrated by how things were going, he picked a fight with Aaron Donald.
1: That was not smart.
0: No. Now, I I have a certain degree of sympathy for the idea that, look, things are going bad. Let's just pick a fight and start, you know, it gets, you get frustrated, violence, you lash out. But, you know, pick your targets better than that. Yeah. There are a lot of small people on the Rams. You could have found, you know, a guy more or less your size and and had, had a fair fist of it, but... Aaron Donald, no, like the entire thing. It was like a full on like scuffle. And the entire time, Donald is just like holding him here. Like, what are you even doing? And Devontae Freeman is just getting more and more annoyed. You know, like when you're that was great. The cartoon thing of where you just put your hand in front of a little kid's face and he's like swinging away wildly. That you I can just, relate to. You just yeah. keep him at arm length. Yeah. Aaron Donald basically just held Devontae Freeman there while he was trying to punch him in the head and doing all kinds of stuff. No, look. Find a better target than Aaron Donald, and then this he got ejected at the end of
1: it. This is why you're here for your Monday
0: morning analysis. I'm just saying that's this is how bad the Falcons are. They caused Devontae Freeman to pick a fight with Aaron Donald as a better option than just let things keep going as
1: they were. I imagine they're quite frustrated in Atlanta. All of them, everybody, Be, because they're not. I mean, now when I look at the starting lineup right now in Atlanta, okay, it doesn't look great. Uh, they've they've been looking. Um, You know Desmond Trufant. Hmm. It it looked like coming into the year is going to be Desmond Trufant, and okay, can Isaiah Oliver develop? Like who's going to be the guy next uh, opposite him? Trufant's had his own issues. Now he's hurt. Last week it looked like Kendall Sheffield, the rookie, you know, had shown signs of life, and he gets torched yesterday. Isaiah Oliver hasn't developed like they wanted. So the weaknesses aren't in the in a good spot. But then just talent aside, I mean, this is like. I can't remember if I made this analogy, but remember when spread offenses took over Uh in college football and then Rich Rodriguez goes to Michigan and he's like, I run the spread. I just had Pat White. Yeah. And then he gets he's got two big statuesque quarterbacks like me and he's running the spread. Yeah. So then it became this age of everybody's going to run the spread no matter who you have. We're just going to run the spread. We're going to run spread, you know, zone read stuff with guys that can't even move, and it just looks terrible. Mm-hmm. And you, so now you're running bad spread. Atlanta's running the bad Seattle three. It's like we're going to run this scheme. Guys don't know how to pass off routes. Nobody's carrying through their out their assignments. We don't have the personnel for it, but we're going to keep doing it. And That's also, what And like. as we said,
0: it, teams know how to beat it now. So unless you have... Unless you have version one point two three four five whatever, unless you have the updates, it's not
1: going to work. But you know, Chris was talking about this on the on the broadcast last night because Dallas is running elements of this, and you know he was talking to Chris Richard, you know the defensive coordinator there too, and he's like, he's like, yeah, we know what beats this too. We just we just rep it. That's passing what? game coordinator, passing game coordinators. Yeah, he's calling plays too, isn't he? Yeah,
0: but they've got this weird thing where him and Rod Marinelli like divide the defense in half. Right. Rod takes the front, he takes the back. End. Oh,
1: I got you. Yeah. So, but so his job is to essentially teach guys on the back on the back end how to pass off routes, how to yeah. how to carry this crosser, and all that type of th- all, all that type of stuff. So they rep it out. You know the the whole point of I mean it's like when offenses say we only run a handful of plays, we just you know dress it up and then run them extremely well. Like that's the point of the Seattle defense is to run it extremely well and to have answers for all the things that you know you're going to face every yeah. week. Atlanta doesn't have answers. They're not. Maybe they need more reps. No, I mean, they're just not... They're just wide open...
0: Right, but I think a lot of that defense. is it's it's not... I don't think you can do what Seattle did with this defense back when they first had it. I think teams are far too aware now of where the weak points are, where the stresses are, and how to get at them. Yeah. Now I think you need the more advanced developments. And I think there's still something to using that kind of concept as your base, but you need to have... um you need to have adjustments you need to have answers to what you what you're going to face and they don't so i'm i don't i don't want to like needlessly bash an answers but every now and again on a sunday they say something that's just funny mm-hmm. and i i feel it's worth pointing out you're going to um, name names or you just gonna- Yeah, I will because I like the guy so I think it's fair enough to say when he says something kind of silly it was Charles Davis um, I think Charles Davis is actually one of the better color announcers out there Yeah, I like Charles but at one point he says um he starts talking about Vic Beasley. Now, Vic Beasley is one of their best best pass rushers. I know the stats don't show it, but he is one of their best pass rushers. Now, he's absolutely correct in that the stats don't show it. Um, but here's the thing. Nothing else does either because Vic Beasley is one of the most consistently poor pass rushers in the NFL. He looks
1: like he shouldn't be. So is he wrong? Is Charles Davis wrong? Yes. Is he one of the Falcons' best pass rushers? No. He is, though. No, he's not.
0: I mean, well, it depends. How far are you extending one of? Like top three. Like, top three. Like Grady Jarrett, Tack McKinley. They must. Have, anybody is Vic better Beasley. third
1: than Vic Beasley. The rookie John Kaminsky, has been right.
0: pretty good. But the point is, he's one of the most inept pass rushers. Like he, you know, he talked about that because again, he like referenced the 15 sack season or whatever it was, which we at the time pointed out was fool's gold. Yeah. because sacks are not always equal. And in that year, I think half of his sacks came from either cleanup or pursuit pressure where he basically wasn't blocked at all. Um, so we were like, well, that was inevitably going to regress. It did. And since then, he's been utterly unable to generate any kind of consistent pass rush, despite looking like a guy that should be able to generate a load of pressure. So Charles, I
1: love you, but no, 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 no. Vic Beasley's no, no. Not good. Beasley also was in coverage... Uh, Trying to cover Todd Gurley. Mm. So this was kind of like an old school. I don't know. I thought the Rams did a really good job scheming it up. Goff still left a few throws on the table in this one. Uh, Gerald Everett with the monster game. Yeah. Catches a deep ball screen for a touchdown. But then you've got uh, Todd Gurley creating the mismatch against Beasley. That was one of golf's better throws for the touchdown and see what happens. Todd Gurley comes back. They score 37. Mm. Despite 18 carries for 41 yards and, uh, forcing three missed tackles on his 2.3 yards per carry but yes Todd Gurley they did use him as a weapon in the past game particularly on that pass that was that was helpful so I thought the Rams kind of got back on track at the same time this was like last year when we talked about is this a breakout game for quarterback X against the Tampa Bay Bucks defense like the first eight weeks of the season it was yeah hey Mitch Trubisky had a great game hey Matthew Stafford had his best game of the year everybody this is everybody against Atlanta are the is the Rams offense turning a corner or did they just play Atlanta? Yeah. Tune in next week, we'll find out. So ebbs and flows of the NFL. Plus, it was in a dome. Dome,
0: God. Let's go to the uh, the NFC North.
1: How more important? How important is the dome when you see the rain and wind games around the NFL and how how much it affects the pass game? I
0: don't think it's that important at all, unless the rain is so bad that it's Washington levels. It's rain. We'll get to that in a bit. The
1: Seattle uh, Baltimore nah. game. Um, Dude, Lamar played well and he had five drops sure the guys weren't holding on to the ball yeah whatever
0: that happens that happens in other games we've seen yeah, games but it happens they, more often michael gallup had three drops last week in a dome well yeah that's rare that's an out oh, okay
1: all right nfc north kirk cousins show
0: kirk cousins is back apparently back to back this is why you pay kirk cousins games 42 goes out 30. there and slays the detroit lions um on dome. the road in a dome in a dome But again, legitimately, you kind of called it, right? If Kirk Cousins is going to get back to being just a rank average quarterback, he's going to need to play a couple of ridiculously good games to crawl his way out of the hole. He's just dug himself. He's done it. And that's exactly what he's done. Now, what's different to before is that they've come against what, at least on the surface, looked like reasonable teams. Now, turns out the Eagles are now losing games, so maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were. And the Lions have lost... Let's say they've lost a game over the past two weeks and then been screwed out of another one. Um, by the way, the creativity, variance, uh, variety, and frequency of Detroit Lions in the stands in various referee comedy get-ups in this game was pretty spectacular. Was yeah. There was a bunch of people in the stripy jerseys with clown faces on. There was some dude that had like, like a dozen yellow uh penalty flags in his pockets and like every time something happened would just start like flinging a penalty on out from the stands there were some pretty spectacular <laughs> ones there was a dude pre-game did where the, the
1: lions play the saints this year they would have fun with that where like the officials were walking
0: by you know just uh, skirting the field on their way to the whatever and this dude like offered him 50 from the stands <laughs> uh, yeah the lions fans did well with that um but legitimately cousins was really good again
1: yeah he was he was legit I mean this is what people expected from the offense i mean it it felt like you know I'm trying to take in as many games as possible at the same time felt like every time I'm looking up he's running some kind of boot action they're they're working the play action game well they're booting to the left a ton and it's working for him I mean he just looks much more comfortable and this was um again, I think what we expected or what the Vikings expected from Kirk Cousins is a number of games like this where if you give him the good playmakers, he can make some plays down the field. Yesterday, 13 of 18 for 209 and three touchdowns off of play action alone, just off of play action. I love the aggressiveness when they're running out the clock. And you can hear the announcers like, oh, he's throwing it, he's keeping it. And he's you know he throws the bomb to Stephon Diggs. I mean, that's, that's what they're expecting here in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, you've, you've got to be a little bit concerned about their depth at receiver. Um, you know, a spectanker. So Adam Thielen catches the one... 25-yard touchdown, great throw, great catch to drag both feet as he goes down, but as he went down, I can't remember what he hurt, a hamstring maybe, tweaked something. Yeah. Um, so he only played nine snaps. At that point, your offense is obviously Stephon Diggs, but now you're down to the tight ends and Dalvin Cook out of the backfield and even C.J. Ham out of the backfield apparently. But after that, your wide receivers are Ola B.C. Johnson and Laquan Treadwell. I, how, I don't understand how if everybody is able to find a slot receiver now. How are the Vikings so weak at receiver outside of those top two guys?
1: I think they they really feel that they're a two two wide receiver type of team, whether it's with the fullback or with the two tight ends, and working the run game and play action off that. Yeah, I do feel the like the problem with that is once one of those guys of gets hurt, you're not. But I think it's because when you go in with that mentality, you're like, I need a backup at X and Z. I need backup two wide receiver set receivers. They don't have those either. Well, just say, but, but Treadwell and Johnson are more in that mold, right? Rather than the, your traditional slot. My problem is more for. that
0: they're not very good. Yeah. And it would seem like they could be easily upgraded if you just took a random fifth round receiver in the draft. Yeah. Any year. Um, but so what's interesting is that this offense is basically right now it's Kirk Cousins throwing to those receivers and Dalvin cook and everything else isn't great. Yeah. And again, that feels to me like at some point that runs out or in, it requires all that ki- cooking all the time to be a long-term sustainable game plan. But as you pointed out last week, they're actually in a great spot now because those three road games are out of the way. They, yep. they won one of them. Um, now their schedule gets easier. Sitting there at five and two. And they're in a good spot because they're sitting
1: there five and two. Now, you'd also expect Cousins. So the same way we said, man, he, there's no way he's going to play this poorly. Yeah. For the is rest of the play year as well. There's no way he could play this well. I mean, just we always talk about passer rating as just a you know raw production of the passing offense. You can't expect your passing offense to have essentially a passing passer rating of 130, 140 like he has each of the last three weeks. And then just from a PFF grade standpoint. He had a 25.8 grade in week two against Green Bay. But since then, 86, 61 against Chicago, and then 84, 93, 92.4. Like, the 93 and 92.4 as game grades are ridiculous. That's up. That's like better than Foles' two-game stretch in the conference championship and the Super Bowl. That's extremely difficult to sustain. That's what we do here at PFF. We say, good job, guys. This is going to be tough to sustain. But tons of credit to Kirk Cousins. Crazy good who's game. Who's turned this around.
0: From Marvin Jones. Ten catches, ninety-three yards, four touchdowns, yeah. um, which came against four, or yes, yeah, yeah, three different Vikings corners. So it got beat. Trey Wayne's beat Xavier Rhodes twice. Who, by the way, looked ugly yesterday. Um, beat Mike Hughes for one. Um, Marvin Jones just wrecks the Vikings pretty much every time he
1: plays them. Yeah, Marvin's legit. Um, Stafford still staying aggressive, throwing the ball down the field. I mean, I do think I said on in the preview show, I expected more of a shootout. I expected two guys to, you know, go throw for throw. And it was, and that's what it was. I, I think I bought into Detroit's defense more than I should have. I mean, they, they're they a man heavy team who on paper doesn't have great players, but players that were, they were doing okay. But it's even like when they, when they shut down Kansas city at the time, it's like, well, they shut them down for like 28 or 31 points or whatever it was. And they had a couple, you know, some lucky plays in there too so i just you know i just don't know if i completely buy into detroit i mean i think
0: the vikings have the horses to beat them um like darius lay is a top corner adam thielen beat him a, f- a couple of times in his brief stint um justin coleman has been one of the best slot corners in the nfl yeah, Diggs though. beat him a few times
1: yeah. uh, inside well plus as as much as the refs screwed them on that monday night football game aaron Rodgers also had two dropped touchdowns in there so just if you're evaluating detroit's defense like that could have been worse outside of the illegal hands to the neck penalties yeah
0: so anyway the vikings are in a reasonable spot this was a big win for them can cousins keep it up
1: are we in another year where you're just looking at the nfc and it's like vikings saints packers seahawks are still there 49 you just there's going to be six teams making the playoffs and you just don't know who's going to yeah who's going to go yep. and then the afc it's like new england and let's see how healthy patrick mahomes is and let's see if deshaun watson can go on a run and yeah pretty much and
0: scene it's new england and like patrick mahomes is the only thing that can keep the patriots from the super bowl again Or Watson. The NFC, I mean, it's either new
1: chaos. england some sort of upstart I mean, young quarterback or oh, that's it yeah right or in the nfc it's legitimately wide open and in a home field advantage and some of that stuff's going to be huge yeah i mean i'm
0: not tremendously confident that the texans can stop the patriots but sure
1: jacoby Brissett, we go there next um did you want to stay in the nfc north and just wrap up aaron Rodgers?
0: i mean okay mine was a neater segue but whatever
1: okay well you all right go go where you wanted
0: well okay houston houston where uh indy deshaun watson got screwed out of a Incredible touchdown because somebody blew a whistle.
1: Yeah, that was a good play. Really was. Put kind it on and Usually, I,
0: There's got to be some kind of. You need to keep the whistle, you know, out of your mouth. When you have quarterbacks like that that can do insane things.
1: See, I'm back and forth on this stuff too. There are certain plays where people are like, "Hey, we got to." We got to let them play it out. Don't blow the whistle. And then I keep coming back to this ridiculousness. Like a quarterback throws the ball eight feet in front of them or eight yards in front of them. And they're like, oh, it could have been a fumble. Don't blow the whistle. And you got dudes killing each other. And it's like, oh, we we preach play, player safety, but we're never going to blow the whistle.
0: That part, I think, is okay because you have to treat it as if it's a live ball. Because if you screwed it up, it you you messed with the turnover. But
1: there are obvious ones. There are ones where Whatever. it's like a batted pass.
0: I'm fine with that. My But like if you treated the if you treated every play the way they treated this play one of the greatest super bowl plays of all time would never have happened the helmet catch wouldn't have happened they'd have blown Eli dead in the grasp and we'd have stopped playing you need to give these guys the ability to get their way out of an u- ugly situation and make a play unless maybe you consider that there's a guy barreling down on him with the only outcome being his death at which point okay maybe save him from that but like Deshaun Watson just has a, like his foot is caught in a guy's grip. He's fighting his way out of it. And he ends up delivering the ball to new copkins for a touchdown. Like you weren't risking the man's like, let him play. He's one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL because of the ability to make plays like that. Don't do you want player safety.
1: Or do you want,
0: I want common yeah. sense. Is that too much to hope for? Eh,
1: it might be. It might be. This is another huge game for Indy. To pull this one off i, I wasn't touchdowns expecting from it. jacoby yeah jacoby's been one of those guys we said look that he's not playing as well as, as some of the numbers but this was a this was a strong game for him i mean watson played well too
0: beautiful classic eric ebron game catches one of the best passes you'll ever see anybody snags a one-handed back of the end zone somehow gets both feet down to the point where live you're like no way you got a touchdown there and then replay like oh wow both feet came down and then Stone-handed drop on something way, way easier, like five minutes later. Yeah. Perfect Eric Ebron game.
1: You see Adam Vinatieri said, hey, that's one of the top 25 touchdowns I've ever seen. And Ebron said, yeah, because you've been in the league yeah, for around for and
0: Yeah, 22 years.
1: I, th- I think the NFL 100 should just be a chronicle of Adam Vinatieri's career. Just, I mean, he should just do it, right? Two degrees of separation. <laughs> you should forget about Chris and Rich Eisen hosting yeah, NFL
0: 100 just... presented by Adam Vinatieri, and he just takes you through the best hundred things he's seen.
1: I mean, he's like probably one degree of separation away from like Otto Graham, so he's got <laughs> like he pl- he definitely played with a guy who played with Otto Graham, right?
0: I <sighs> when did Otto Graham pack it up? Like the 60s? Like, yeah, I mean, possibly.
1: He's probably two degrees of separation away.
0: Yeah. If you went like Otto Graham, um, who was that?
1: We need George Eric Blander. Can... Yeah. Vinatieri. <laughs> That's great. So Adam Vin- Vinatieri doing the NFL 100 stuff. So Indy just continues to show. I, th- I think my our analysis coming into the game was you've got two two secondaries that are another, you know, nameless groups, beat up groups. How are they going to handle particularly Watson in the passing attack, the way they've been playing. And then the Colts, you know, their ability to, they shut down Mahomes. but I don't know, just, I expected points in this one. I just thought that the Texans would, would win a shootout. And the Colts just continue to, to find a way to win. They do impressed. Um, And it wasn't as close maybe as 30 to 23 would show.
0: This is a good team that, you know, we said the, the real, the sort of one of the tragedies about Andrew Luck, walking away is that this is the best roster he's ever been on right? and decided that, you know what, it's just not worth it. The pain is consistently too much. I'm, I'm done. But it means that this team is still in a good spot with Jacoby Brissett because he's not a bad quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's good enough to win you games if the rest of the roster is good, which it turns out it is. Um, also, so we talked a bit before about JJ watt the 2019 version. Yeah. Um, Ben Stockwell messaged me this morning with a a play that sort of highlighted. And he was like, I think where, where this relative lack of explosion compared with earlier in his career actually shows up is the run game now, because do you remember the way he used to, and still does in fact, but just doesn't make the same number of plays. He used to play the run game in a weird way, which is to play it from the wrong gap. So, you know, run defense works because you get a body in every single gap, unless you're the Raiders. Um, and just by having a guy there, it makes it very difficult to generate rushing yardage because now you need to move that guy out of the gap in order for the guy to go anywhere. Right. So it, generally there's a body in every gap. Now what JJ Watt would always do and still does is I'm significantly faster and more explosive than the guy trying to block me. So I'm gonna actually jump out of my gap and go the long way around. And because you're not expecting that to happen, I'm gonna beat you into the backfield and make the play. And he used to make a crazy amount of plays like that. Yeah. And you're like, this is insane. You should not... Like, this is 100% not how it's coached to do. But because he's so crazy, he's able to make it happen. I could draw it up.
1: Can you? There used to be plays... Oh, God. ...where if this was the blocker, and this is Watt... Yeah. Right? By the time the running back was getting the handoff back here, this was completely flipped. You'd You'd pause at the handoff. So the handoff's here, and you're like... J.J. Watt is standing
0: in the backfield yes. behind the guy trying to block Like He's it.
1: already won his block by the time the handoff has happened. Yeah. There were times where that happened back in the day. So the point
0: is that— So what would you see? Well, so usually he's supposed to go like this, right? Straight inside, make the play. And instead, he tries to go around this way because this guy is trying to block in that way make the play. Now, he used to be explosive enough to make that happen all the time. Now, it doesn't quite seem to be able to get it done. So you see a lot of plays where JJ Watt essentially jumps out of his gap. There's a play there in the run game because he should be there and he's not able to make the the sort of the hero play yeah. to go around the long way and make it happen. Doesn't, a, doesn't Isn't able to make it happen anymore. So right now, Keep it up. his pass rush grade is still insane. His run defense grade is a significant drop off from where it's been in the past. And even now, or even in the past game, I think, it manifests itself when he goes up against top-level opposition. So he's got basically really dominant grades and a crazy amount of pressure against effectively every single player he's gone up against except Ryan Ramchek and Mitchell Schwartz, who are arguably the top two right tackles in the NFL right now. So it's like J.J. Watt is... The, the 2019 version of J.J. Watt is still a devastating pass rusher, but the relative lack of explosion appears to manifest itself in no longer being able to make the run plays that he used to make. um, I think if he kind of self, if he has this moment of Manning-esque self-realization of, wow, I just can't make that play anymore and adjust what he does, he would still be a dominant run defender. If he just played his gap the way everybody else does, he'd still be good. And then also as a pass rusher, I think J.J. Watt can now be legitimately shut down against the best players in the NFL in a way that wasn't true before. Like
1: so, But in this game, he had 12 pressures.
0: Sure, because he's not going up against one of the best right tackles in the NFL. Right. Um, but it's like Aaron Donald, right? Right now, I don't think any player can shut down Aaron Donald one-on-one. If it's an honest contest, he yeah. will win. That used to be the case with J.J. Watt. There was no player who one-on-one could shut him down. Now I think there is because he isn't the player he used to be. Having said that... He's still a dominant pass rusher and by far leads the league
1: in total pressures. I think if you're looking at the Texans, we mentioned the secondary being an issue. You've got Philip Gaines Uh with a 33.5 coverage grade and rookie Lonnie Johnson, 28.7 coverage grade, gave up all nine of his targets for 97 yards. So 16 catches allowed between both of those guys Um, that that would be my that's been my concern for the Texans. Yeah, I mean just look at the match
0: of T. Y. Hilton against Philip Gaines just on paper, that's horrendous. Yeah. Um Lion Johnson's is less excusable because most of his damage happened against Zach Pascal,
1: which is not exactly, you know, terrifying one on one matches. Also had a nice pass. Yeah. There. Or had a pass in there. Not a nice one. I think we had an overthrow. Whatever. He had a pass. So anyway, the Colts kinda kinda still good. Colts uh continue to roll so they're coming off a bye so they've now beaten the Chiefs and the Texans over the last couple weeks and those are the teams we're talking about competing with New England at the top New, the Colts don't have to play in New England this year so that bodes well for them yeah I think going forward for whatever that's worth all right let's go to let's touch on Miami at Buffalo yeah um, we have to continue we have to say nice things about Miami I don't have anything nice to say about Miami Ryan Fitzpatrick's not that bad isn't he it's the same old Fitzpatrick John Jenkins okay. was dominant
0: there you go. There you go. Everybody was bad except John Jenkins in this game. The end. That's it? Yeah.
1: Josh Allen made some nice plays for Buffalo. Still, um, There's still like one or two plays per game. You talk about uh, Daniel Jones and you know some of his pocket presence issues or turnover-worthy plays or whatever. There's still like a couple plays per game where Josh Allen's blitz recognition or just – it's generally blitz recognition – the best quarterbacks do this seamlessly, and you don't even notice it. It's like, oh, there's a blitz. Let me just throw this ball to the to the flat. And I feel like I've said this one before, too. But all those, hey, this, guy, this that's an easy throw for this quarterback, right? Well, the best quarterbacks make the easy throws just look easy because it's like, oh, there's a blitz. Therefore, this guy's open, and I just make the throw. There's like one or two plays per game where Josh Allen just freezes, and it's like, oh, there's an unblocked pressure. Let me just try to juke him and out-athlete him. And he did that in this game, too, where he tries to juke a slot corner and he's scrambling around and he still ends up taking the sack and he's got two wide open guys in the flat on either side of the field. So whether you are him behind the blitz or away from it doesn't matter. Those are the types of things he needs to tidy up. I mean, I think Bill's fans are happy with him because the defense continues to give up under 20. Yeah. So you can, as an offense, they can trudge their way through the game. And then he did a nice job. He had a beautiful touchdown pass. Like, he's made a few plays down the stretch, makes a few plays with his legs, and you're happy. Two-point conversion and all that stuff. Great. But, man, does he need to start making some traditional quarterback plays more efficiently?
0: I think my favorite sight in the NFL right now is Lee Smith catching passes. That's a sight? Yeah, it's amazing. Lee, Lee Smith basically is a tackle at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, he was always a blocking tight end. But, you know, sometimes... Who's a fuzzy gray area between blocking tight end and auxiliary tackle? Like Lee Smith is, I think he's crossed the gray area and he's actually into auxiliary tackle. Like from a body, he's listed at two hundred and sixty-five. That's the if move Kyle within, Brady
1: made at like year twelve in his career. Right. Lee Smith started his career like that.
0: He's listed at two sixty-five. If he is within twenty pounds of two sixty-five on the north end, I would be amazed. Like, he is a monster. He looks like a, t- a tackle running pass patterns. And then every now and again, he gets a pass from Josh Allen. It just looks it looks amazing. It's a beautiful sight to see. I think we should all embrace this. Um, I agree with you. I think this is kind of what we've been saying about Josh Allen, that you can overlook a lot of bad because of the spectacular plays he makes. But at some point, you need the bad to get better. Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck with this quarterback that's not – not terrible, but going to be a problem in terms of you know long term winning. I understand they're winning right now, but there's a ske- there's some schedule things in there. There's the fact that the defense is incredible. Like at some point, you're going to need the quarterback to do more, and we don't yet know if he's capable of doing that. Right. Obviously, all the defense look great because they're going against Miami.
1: No, I mean the defenses look great every week. I think they deserve yeah, they deserve a week, ton I mean, of credit specifically. Yep, yeah, they deserve a ton of credit in Buffalo. uh Where do you want to go next?
0: Uh we talk about the mud bowl.
1: Let's do it. San Francisco 49ers at the Washington Redskins. Sometimes I think games like this should be just completely thrown out of the pass game analysis at least.
0: Well, Maybe yeah. all of the analysis. I mean, this was an absolute downpour. There was this was the there was so much rain in this game that it was one of those ones where when people are running, every step they take is like an explosion a explosion in the water yeah. because of the puddles in the field. I was actually kind of amazed how well that field held up. I know. Like if this was just a random field somewhere, it would you wouldn't be able to see grass at the end of it. It would just be mud. Um, but this actually looked like a field by the end of the game. I was kind of impressed by that. Now, it was also great because anytime anybody hit the ground, they they like Klinsman slided 10 yards.
1: Yeah, the end of the game was a great. Uh, Nick Bosa with the sack. Yeah. And then they all just go head first, baseball slide. Right. in the. It's
0: pretty impressive. In the, I mean, I don't have um,
1: much else to say about that. It was tough to throw the ball.
0: So this was was like every – rain generally is not great, right? But a little bit of rain should not completely prevent you from throwing the football, as happened in a few other games. This, though, was sufficient rain where you could actually see that they basically couldn't throw. Like Jimmy Garoppolo physically could not throw the ball. Every single pass he attempted came out wrong, right? You know, the very minimum, almost every single quarterback throws just a general spiral right? This looked like someone that could not throw a spiral throwing a ball every time he attempted a pass. Now, some of them got to where they were supposed to anyway, but you could see that's not supposed to be the way it comes out of his hand. He was having problems simply throwing the ball because of how wet it was out there.
1: Yeah. Overall, I mean, from a quarterback grading standpoint, we had middle middle of the pack grades for both case Keenum and Jimmy Garoppolo which in these conditions is actually reasonable which isn't bad right Uh, Garoppolo had a pick which was on fourth down kind of had to force one Keenum threw the ball 12 times I mean they just didn't have to have to do a whole lot Adrian Peterson ran the ball 100 times they were still trying to establish the run 20 for 81
0: how happy do you think uh Bill Callahan was that this was the conditions that's was perfect. It's like, well, it's sweet. Now I can just load Adrian Peterson up. There's like play. a
1: piece of them that's like, hey, we did our job. We ran the ball and kept it close. Mm. We scored zero, but, you know, we mm, yeah. kept it close.
0: We were in it right till the death. Yeah. Till they until they took an unassailable two-score lead.
1: This is one of those, like, I think the Niners defense was going to have another good game, but it's just going to add to their Nine, statistical yeah. legend right now.
0: Nine to zero was a good score, but six to zero would have been even better. True. It's like we we elected to take the field goal, put it to a completely out of sight 6 nothing, knowing
1: that there's no hope <laughs> of that scoring. What was your favorite 9 nothing game in NFL history? I actually have one. You do? What yeah. was yours? 2006, Steelers-Jaguars. I think it was week two. Big Ben was coming off. Remember the motorcycle accident and all that stuff? They'd mm-hmm. won the Super Bowl, had all the offseason controversy. But I was a big Jags fan at the time. Big Jags fan. The Jags defense both defenses just like hit hard like it was just I just remember it being like a really fun defensive game and I'm an offensive guy I want to see offense I want to see good passing and all that stuff I hate watching bad quarterback play this just felt like Byron Leftwich and Ben Roethlisberger had to work so hard for every yard the running backs had to work hard for every yard I enjoyed that 2006 Jaguars nine Steelers nothing. Ben Roethlisberger's return. What a fun trip down memory lane that was. How about that? Well, that's all I have to say about the 49ers and uh, Redskins nine to nothing game. This was just
0: fun. It was a fun game to watch because of the conditions. Like it, people, I, I know Renner hates this this idea of like snow games or anything that. There's some times where just the conditions being so ridiculous makes the game fun to watch. Now,
1: you yeah, look, I like it in college. I don't like it in the NFL where we're all like numbers driven, and it it, it to I'm me it saying, screws up the analysis a little bit.
0: Sure, but this is. The 49ers were playing the Washington Redskins. If you don't have any other... like, What is the reason to watch this game other than crazy mud bowl antics? This was fun. I enjoyed watching this game. Great.
1: Anything on the Jacksonville Jaguars win over the Cincinnati Bengals? Minshew just continues to win. Just continues to get it done. He played pretty well. Andy Dalton uh, had a bad pick six. I think the second one... He had like three picks in the fourth quarter. Yeah, one was a screen pass that probably wasn't on him. Running back just got buried, but essentially a passer rating of 3.2 went under pressure Hmm. for Andy Dalton, including three picks, three picks, four completions. That's not going to get it done. Um, I think I'm just going to pose the question, and this is not a knock against Andy, but is it Ryan Finley time if you're the Bengals to just say, hey, what the heck do we have? Or is it is this just as bad as throwing Josh Rosen out there with the Dolphins and you're never going to figure it out?
0: It's definitely not good. Um On the other hand, you're already operating the damage limitation offense with Andy Dalton in there. So, you know, maybe give it
1: a whirl. Let me just sum this up. By the way, Andy Dalton had three uh, rushing touchdowns, uh, or he has five on the season, I believe it is. Um, Another one. He did not have... So he was one of the highest-graded players on the offense. I just want to... Just for perspective here. Andy Dalton, with his terrible passing stats... Had one of the highest grades on the offense. I think that sums up this Bengals offense right now. I
0: mean, we did this last week, but just read out the offensive line left to right. John Jerry is starting at left tackle. Billy Price, who was so bad at center, they had to bench him despite being, what was he, a first or second round pick? First round. Despite being a first round pick, they were like, no, you're so awful. You're going to be second string on this ridiculously horrendous offensive line. He's now starting at left guard because they don't have any other options. Trey Hopkins at center. Alex Redmond, at right guard. Bobby Hart is still out there at right tackle. This is a terrible, terrible offensive line. Whoever is playing quarterback has no hope because of that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't learn things, but they're not going to do well. Throw Ryan Finley out there.
1: Another monster game for Calais Campbell, both as a run defender and as a pass rusher. Bengals defense misses 12 tackles. So, yeah, issues. Jacksonville just uh, still lurking around with Minshew. And uh, Juwan Taylor, right tackle for the Jags, had the best game of his young career the rookie how about that mm. just trying to give some insights on every game even if it's not the most attractive one <laughs> and that's what he came up with. that's what i'm coming up with and uh wait we need a positive for cincinnati rookie defensive tackle in the lead
0: for the number one overall draft pick They're, okay that's that's your positive i was yeah. gonna say
1: Rennell wren had his best game
0: i kind of liked him at the senior bowl you did yeah senior um, Bowl scouting yeah seriously the, i mean the Look, the Miami Dolphins are actively trying to tank for the season, and yet somehow the Bengals are still in
1: the lead for the number one overall pick. That's a hell of an achievement they should be proud of. Both teams lost by ten yesterday, so in the you know, the Dolphins are learning. You don't have to lose by a hundred. They all count.
0: Yeah. This is count, kind of so. amazing that this game just the amount it dragged on for.
1: Well, the Bengals have been making those great late comebacks. It just kind of went the other way.
0: This just in this yeah, one. Yeah, it was ugh. Anyway, that was not right. a great game.
1: Aaron Rodgers is back 42 24 over the Raiders. It looked like all of the touchdowns, a Big 12 stat line. Um, I mean, he played. This is one of those games like it, he's got a stat line that looks like he should have the best PFF grade of all time 25 for 31 for 429, five touchdowns, perfect passer rating of 158.3. He'll probably be, I think he'll be the highest graded quarterback of the week. He had a rushing one as well, didn't He, he had a rushing touchdown as well. So, yeah, it was a very good game. He was really good. His last, Now, again, his Monday night game, which wasn't nearly as good statistically, was excellent as well. It was similar. He had two drop touchdowns. He, he was on point, and he's doing it with no Devontae Adams. And, again, still. what still? Yeah, still. I mean, th- I think not that these guys are terrible, but I really think this is like it takes a top quarterback to take Geronimo Allison, old Jimmy Graham, Jimmy. Alan Lazard, his boy. Made a hell of a catch. MVS, again. Jay Kumaro. I mean, he's just taking these guys and throwing accurate passes that they can catch. I mean, that's that's it.
0: Well, this was the this a game that I think some people had correctly been questioning whether he was capable of again. You know, Aaron Rodgers, at his best, did this all the time. And we haven't really seen that much of it. But, right. th- I mean, so this was <laughs> pre-game Um, I saw a fantastic segment. I can't remember which pregame show it was, but they were talking about how, um, you know, trade deadline is approaching. Some teams are sellers. Some teams are buyers, right? Denver, obviously fire sale, Cincinnati fire sale, tear this thing down, rebuild in the draft, but other teams, they've had unexpectedly good starts to the season. They're now, they're now buying. They're trying to uh, let's add some pieces while we're on a roll and see if we can ride this momentum all the way to the Super Bowl. And they were making the point that the Oakland Raiders believe themselves to be buyers. I just, that cracked me up. The concept that that building is sitting there going, guys, this is it. It's happening. It's happening, guys. Let's let's get out there and start shipping some trades for linebackers and see if we can really ride this momentum. And then they go out there and they just get eviscerated by the first good team they play, again, having already been eviscerated when they face the Vikings. Like, this is not a great team in Oakland. And no. when they face good teams, they're going to get pretty badly beat up. And I mean, you just looked at like, Gary and Conley was getting victimized at times in coverage by these guys that are not great. Um, like Rodgers looked spectacular, but this said a lot about what the Oakland
1: Raiders are right now. Well, I mean, his is, last touchdown was it was one of those like Tony Romo did a great job. Watch him. He's setting the protection. He knows it's man. He's going to hit the five yard out. But ultimately, it's like a five yard out, which was a nice play by Aaron Rodgers and should have been like a seven yard. You know first down and turns into like a 60 yard touchdown or yeah. whatever it was
0: i mean they've got darrell worley out there playing you know one of their primary corner spots we said
1: we're not believers in the raiders because if you look at their three wins so their win against the colts in indy is probably one of those yes most unlikely outcomes of the season right we would say right we're, good we're win. talking up indy
0: good win but right now is looking like an outlier rather than right. a, a statement of anything
1: because they got smoked by kansas city Sure, that'll happen. Especially in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Smoked by Only in Minnesota and then Green Bay. They beat Denver in week one at home. They had the outlier, I think we'd say, at Indy. Nice win. And then they beat Chase Daniel led Chicago Bears, which I think... Who, it turns out,
0: may not be great anyway.
1: Yeah, we think... I mean, we... <laughs> we I think we think Chicago is more of an 8-8 eight eight team. And they're still well, probably yeah. coming off this, this like, last Plus year. Plus, was in think London. that they Anything can happen in London. Yeah, the
0: Bears didn't get there till Thursday or whatever, right? When that was not the thing. Everybody that gets there late in the week, if they lose, that's your problem.
1: Look, it feels like you they've been me. going to London since, what, 08, 09? Yeah. No, before that. Like, or 06 or 07. I think is the first year. There are enough data points. You that should probably you know when, when to you go. Should know yeah. When you should go to London. Yes,
0: you should probably know when to go at this point.
1: There's like 50 games that people have played. Also,
0: like, what why delay it if you're going to london just go get there as soon as humanly possible what what is the downside to going early well you don't want to be
1: distracted by the they set you up in like a clock they set you
0: up with like a ridiculous facility out in the middle of nowhere like where the whole thing is dedicated to you you. don't want to be all touristy and stuff
1: yeah big bang clock the big Bang clock god brandon remember that yes that was yeah brandon merriweather he became a like a regular segment in new uh in in sports radio in Boston.
0: I saw a boy in there, Austin Gale, pointed out that this was like the perfect game to illustrate why you don't draft a running back high because Josh Jacobs had like the game of his life. 21 carries, 124 yards, um, eight broken tackles just in the run game. Um, also, what did he snag a couple a few passes for 10 yards. Um, couldn't have mattered less because everything else was bad. So... That back in the day when all any team could do was run the ball, that kind of stat line would have won you a game. Now it might, like if everything else goes your way, but if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, Raiders, they draft this guy, he has the game of his life, and they still get whooped. Dave Sharp made the first start of his career. Darren Waller, by the way, is still like a dynamic pass catching weapon somehow. A tight end for yeah, the Raiders? Yeah, that's an interesting development. It
1: really is. So you're one of the... I don't want to talk about this for more than 30 seconds. Okay. You're one of the few people... Derek Carr fumbles the ball out of the end zone. Yes. Which was a poor decision by him. Yes. To try to Not the it. first time he's done it. You're one of the few people that doesn't hate that rule. Correct. Because Twitter implodes. Yes. When that rule happens. Uh-huh. The goal line matters. Don't be an idiot with the ball around the goal line. Okay. The end. So again, the rule is if you fumble it at the one, you get it at the one. If you fumble it out of bounds at the one, you get it at the one. If you yes. fumble it out of bounds through the end zone, uh-huh. you lose the ball. Yep. And it becomes a touchback mm-hmm. for the defense.
0: Yes. The limits of the field in play matter. If you break the plane of the goal line, it's a touchdown. Regardless so I don't, of if the ball is batted out a middle second later, if you fumble the ball through the back of the end zone, it matters. Hold on to it.
1: But the defense did nothing to earn the football back. Right that That would be my issue with it
0: what about the, what about the offense earning the ball back in other situations if you fumble the ball because
1: well, every other situation where you fumble, you get the ball back It's like, hey, you fumbled it, you idiot, but you're lucky it went out of bounds, so you're going to get it back where you where you fumbled it this this feels like they didn't say they didn't I feel like they didn't make the rule because of what you're saying they're not saying you know what we need to really make the goal line matter, and the offense is going to lose the ball. I think they were like, well, if you fumbled at the two, you get it at the two. You fumble at the one, you get it at the one. You fumble at the goal line. Uh Uh-oh, you can't get it at the goal line. What do we do? Give it to the defense.
0: The end zone is treated
1: differently to the rest of the field in multiple areas. You think the NFL decided to make the rule because of that?
0: It's treated differently in a variety of different ways. There are passes that are touchdown catches that would not be receptions anywhere else in the field. But because it's the end zone, that's the whole point. You just need to have possession. Two feet down, we're done. Touchdown. Um the, it, it is a different area of the but field, so don't don't sling
1: the ball in the end zone. It's simple, but that's because because there's no such thing as like forward progress and stuff in the end zone. It's different, not because it's the goal line, so it's because it when you, forward progress, it's because when you have possession, the play's over immediately. Right, and but there's it isn't no other else in the field. But it's because it's not because the goal line's special. It's just because that's what happens when you cross. Yeah, it's because the end zone is special. Yeah, because you crossed the paint. Right, but that cuts it. both ways. If you're but able it's not to get because it's touchdown. special, it's because other things don't matter. If you're able like to get yards a after contact don't matter, and forward progress doesn't matter. If, you're, if you've are if you crossed the line, the play's dead immediately because it's immediately a touchdown, it is a unique, which has nothing to do with where you fumble the ball. It is a unique
0: area of the field. If you're able to get touchdowns that would not be receptions anywhere else in the field, you also have to accept the fact that you can get a fumble and a turnover that wouldn't be a turnover anywhere else in the field. Live with it. Don't extend the ball like an idiot diving for the the end zone unless you're capable of holding on to it when you do that. It's not that hard. Apparently it is for Derek Carr because this is not the first time he's done it. So maybe learn from your mistakes and don't do that next time. All right.
1: I don't have a strong opinion. It just feels like a really harsh. I think I think one of our listeners actually may have tweeted at us, like, what if the offense just gets the ball back at the 20? Why should they? Because I think the defense needs to get, earn the ball back a little bit. The, to me, it's the defense that's making out more than the offense is losing out here. Meh. The defense is getting a freebie here. Anyway, Derek Carr, that crushed your grade a little bit. Don't do that. Mm, don't do Because you know the rule, man. Mm-hmm. You know the rule. Well, particularly because you've done it before. Something All right. Four o'clock slate to get through here. Okay. And then Sunday Night Football, Chargers, Titans. Man, they just play some crazy games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Tannehill. He looks all right. Yeah, he played well. That was an upgrade over over Marcus Mariota. I don't think it necessarily will be long-term. But So I, I put up a play. I don't know
1: that it was, though. I think it was just. Yeah, it was. What do you mean, yeah, it I was? I put up
0: a play on Twitter that was an example of why. Tannehill made a few passes in this game that Mariota is just not even attempting. And if he is, he's not completing right now. There were plays out there. Tannehill didn't look amazing, but Tannehill is at least... Again, it's this idea of you are playing sufficiently badly that we need to make the point that this is not okay. Tannehill might not be a demonstrably better player, but he's at least making those plays. You're like, right. If you had been making those, Marcus, you would still be on the field right now. But you're not, so we're putting Ryan out there, and he's able to take advantage of Hall of Famer Corey Davis.
1: Now, that part.
0: He's able to get the ball to Jonu Smith. He's able to fire the ball in the direction of some of these receivers and actually let them make plays. You're not doing that. So consequently your ass is on the bench.
1: I mean, Mariota is also three weeks removed from doing this. Now granted it was against Atlanta, uh-huh. but it's not like we haven't seen these games from Marcus Mariota before. Now I'm not disagreeing with the switch, but let's not get caught up in this. We're not the media here, Sam. We're not the media. Like, See, we told you Tannehill was the guy. He's one and know. And he I had a- haven't
0: done that. I'm just saying that this, that so far they have shown why they benched him. And there have been plays in this game that showed exactly why. Okay. Why they made the decision. Here's now, what, one game, it's worked out. That doesn't mean it will long-term.
1: Let me talk about why I like. I do like Ryan Tannehill. Um, I don't love him, I'm, but, but like he's been a pretty good quarterback. Intermediate accuracy is solid. And yesterday, 8 for 9 at the 10 to 19, that intermediate range. And then his short area accuracy is pretty good. He was 14 for 16 in the 0 to 9-yard range. So, I mean, he is... He's never been a great downfield thrower, but I also look at this offense of Hall of Famer Corey Davis, of A.J. Brown. I mean, I look at the way they've constructed it. I would say it had some nice passes to John U. Smith. I do think this is an offense that up to 20 yards should be able to do some damage in the pass game. So having a quarterback that can distribute to some of those guys, you know, does make sense. Yeah. So that in that part I liked.
0: What is, uh, what is Corey up to now in the uh, career receptions?
1: Come on. We don't have time for this. Of we don't need we do. to.
0: He is up to like,
1: you 121 don't get, catches. You don't get extra credit. He was six for 6 all targeting out know, for 80 yards yesterday.
0: So this is also Jeffrey Simmons back um, like eight months after an ACL. It's pretty insane. Um,
1: By the way, I forgot Adam Humphreys, too, in the short. I, they're just built to win up to 20 yards. So yeah, let's talk about Simmons. By
0: the way, I was thinking this this morning. If you tore an ACL now... How many years would it take you to get back to be able to do anything?
1: Okay. Judging by the fact that I may have, I probably got like a little inflammation in both knees. Uh That's been lurking around for three months now. That's what I'm saying. And ACL is a good three to five years, I'd say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought six years for me.
1: Six years for you?
0: Uh, So I had to, I left my phone in the car this morning, right? I had to go out and retrieve it. And I'm like leaning in on my bad wrist, tailbones giving me pain from having fallen on it. And I was like one cough. My entire body would just be in pain right now. See, like, I'm kind of
1: getting sick of everything hurting. I think this is... We're just—we're just, we're learning what the new segments are going to be on our podcast. About.
0: But I was like, we're, we're in our mid to late 30s, right? How is Neil still alive? Like, everything must be broken on him. Because he works out for
1: three and a half hours every morning.
0: But that would be making it worse. There must be I nothing think, left on him that
1: isn't wrecked. I assume that the first five to six years of doing that were difficult. And then you're, then you're good. You think, you think there's
0: a, like a pain barrier that you break through you're giving six him credit.
1: Years? The guy can't even stand up right now. He's working from <laughs> home because he's got back injuries. Don't give him too much credit here. Let me say
0: it. Like if I tore at ACL right now, eight months for Jeffrey Simmons, I think I'd be down for about seven years.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, but Neil, every three months, Neil has a crippling back injury where that he is can't true. even make yeah. it. No offense. I mean, he's in great shape. He's, he's ripped up. <laughs> he's but slim. Of, but apparently, it comes He cost. sets goals and he achieves them. Yeah. But, you know, some back injuries creep up every now and again.
0: Uh-huh. I'm yeah. just, I'm like. You know what you can't I do at an old fight. age?
1: You can't creep back toward average. It's no. just a straight downhill. I'm just
0: saying, I didn't I didn't have to fight through an ACL, but already I'm getting sick of everything being broken. So I um, think. as we, Simmons was back and he was dominant.
1: Now, as we discuss our new podcast where we're going to you know, kill everybody's childhood, I mean, a whole segment about how we're all getting old and <laughs> how we can't even do normal things anymore and I don't can't dunk good. anymore and all that stuff should I be... I
0: don't think that's good listening. Should be a part of it. Oh, no, because people can relate. I So for everybody for everybody um, listening, if you go and look up the video of Adam Schefter trying to attempt a Lambo leap, I so I described audibly what it was like seeing you try and dunk and how, like, the the steps before the dunk look the same as everybody else. And then you just don't go airborne. You just go forwards. Adam Schefter trying to attempt the Lambo leap is exactly the same as you trying to dunk right now, only from, like, four foot lower in the air. Listen. He, he runs up. It looks like he's about to plant and then leap up. And he doesn't. He just leaps forwards. There's no vertical. Zero. That's you dunking.
1: No vertical. I'm none. now motivated to work on my vert and get it back. I mean, yeah. I used, I used to... I think I got up to like 30, 32. If you were above four right now, I'd be impressed. Oh, stop it. I swear to God, you I do not go. Probably 21, 22 inch vertical.
0: No, you don't go vertically up in the air. You go forwards. But that's,
1: I'll just try to jump. But so I more saw of a, a mechanical a issue I, than I can't do it I issue. saw
0: a video on Twitter during the week of that guy Boban, whatever his name is, in the NBA. who's like mm-hmm. nine foot tall and just a. Giant lunatic, right? Just basically stood there and slammed the ball down. Like jumped about an inch and a half off the ground. Just
1: Should pant- I know him? I just had
0: my NBA fantasy draft last night. Probably. Um but anyway, he like evidently a huge human being, took like a two inch hop and just slammed the thing, wrecked the rim, right? That's basically you playing basketball right now. Zero vertical. Now, because you're starting up there, you can still kind of get the ball in. But
1: maybe I just don't need it. Maybe it's because I'm playing down to the competition. And I'm just saying against you fools. You do not. You don't go airborne at all. Anyway. You go forwards, but you don't go up. Can we get back to Jeffrey Simmons and what he did on only 20 snaps? He was really
0: good. He got a sack, a couple of hurries, had some stops. He was genuinely like a wrecking ball in both facets of the game
1: you really can't ask for better production from Cameron Wake on 22 snaps two guys on the other end of the spectrum here right Cameron Wake still going after all these years Jeffrey Simmons just starting coming off an ACL both guys combined for seven pressures on just 32 rushes between the two of them now that is a nice little formula for Tennessee who is not they've just had inconsistent pass rushing the last couple of years
0: that is a legitimate um Like, huge bonus for them going forward. Like, what an addition to get, like, midseason. Hey, by the way, you're going to get a first-round talent who turns out is a wrecking ball in there. You know, happy birthday. Like, that's a hell of an addition to add to a defense sort of midway through the year. They basically just, it's like acquiring a guy in a trade. You know, randomly midway through the year, you bring in a pro-ball caliber player, assuming he plays at this level the whole way that's just an insane boost now you've got Jarrell Casey who's still really good always you've got Cameron Wake who's consistently able to generate pressure suddenly Harold Landry's job becomes easier because Jeffrey Simmons inside is wrecking people that I mean you it's difficult to overstate just what a boost that is to this Tennessee defense
1: now the Chargers on the other side mm. they what they have game-winning opportunities they're handing it to Melvin Gordon there's there's penalties there's reviews that are short and they want a way end, to lose a game and then a fumble. Yeah. To lose it all. Because they had the crazy goal line finish last year, right? Chargers, Titans in in London.
0: This was... I mean, that's an incredible way to lose a game. really is. That's so Chargers, though. Yes. That's what they do. Two fumbles for Melvin.
1: When you look at this passing attack, Austin Eckler catches seven for 118. He's got a deep ball. He's great after the catch. I mean, Eckler just continues to produce. Hunter Henry's back. I mean, he caught six <sighs> for 97. He is an absolute middle-of-the-field weapon. As, as we probably expected Keenan Allen's production's gone down in recent weeks but Mike Williams is still there as a possession receiver I mean on paper this Chargers team from a playmaker standpoint should be fantastic
0: they ran the ball 21 times for 39 yards 35 of which came after contact and fumbled twice yeah it's an ugly not efficient on the ground game
1: Bob but that's a lot I mean I know a bunch of those are goal line carries and all that stuff which is a which is a good place to run the ball it's a fine place Mm -hmm. to run the ball um, but it just even if even if the offensive line is not great at protecting getting the ball into those playmakers man that just feels like they could do a much better job through the air
0: Joey Bosa back to being dominant he had a couple of quiet weeks against Denver and Pittsburgh but was dominant here a couple of sacks a ton of
1: pressure looked really good Dan Feeney got smoked yeah I mean it's not it's not great hmm not great for the Chargers. No, are the Chargers going to be sellers?
0: Ah, I, can you really be sellers when you have Philip Rivers at quarterback?
1: No, so I don't. I don't think so because I also don't think any of. I, I think all of the guys on their team. Not by the way, are part of the next couple of years anyway.
0: Well, yeah, but not not by the way because you know Philip Rivers can still get it done with this group of misfits. But more, can you send that message to him? Hey, Philip. No, I know. Sorry. Uh, we're bailing on this year pick it up next next term you yeah. know what I mean
1: I mean on the bright side it might be if the Chargers do end up with a top 10 pick we've been saying for years for the Rivers Roethlisberger Manning teams it's time to look for your next guy the Giants did it Steelers have Mason Rudolph and they probably still in the market even though they don't have a first round pick and the Chargers might have an opportunity <laughs> next year still really early we're like
0: 166 snaps into the guy's career but has there been a more disappointing rookie than Jerry Tillery no a guy we really liked as a first round talent a guy who was as dominant as anybody in college football last year nothing so I would say
1: the thing about Tillery his college career started similar so you know my theory on there's certain guys I think as freshmen sometimes that sometimes they're late bloomers in college and sometimes they might be two or three year guys in the NFL I always have that in the back of my head when I know that's their progression in college. Mm-hmm. That was Tillery. He played a lot as a freshman and as a sophomore, but he didn't become what we liked as a first-round player until his junior and especially senior year. So that would be the only caveat that I'd look at there. Okay. All right. What Tennessee back on track. Ah, The Orleans Saints. New Orleans. 36 to 25, even with an onside kick recovery at the end. Chicago was just too far behind.
0: So... The elephant in the room, um, Trubisky. Yes, like even I think so. This appeared to be the game where Bears fans wrote him off. Oh, I so, like, right up until now, it's been PFF or assholes because they think Trubisky isn't good. You know, he's shown some stuff. Why don't you give the guy a break? You hate the Bears, right? This was the game that broke them. Where at, at, like last night, every Bears fan was just like Trubisky sucks. I'm done with it. you know what I mean? Like that. They finally caught up to where everyone else had been based off that he was bad. Yeah, really bad. And yet somehow, by the way, poor Alan Robinson still out there
1: just getting it done despite the quarterback spot. But like, wow, that was ugly. Through six weeks last year, Trubisky had a 58.8 grade. And a 105.6 passer rating. Mm -hmm. So he was coming off of. Let me just take out. I think we. Oh, he had that one game in there. Which we always point to that Tampa Bay game where he had six touchdowns. Yeah. So six out at the time last year through six weeks, six out of his 11 touchdowns came in that one week four game where where he graded at 93.7. Mm hmm. But last year had consistent grades. We had 40, uh, 52, 49, 40, 56, 51. There's a 41 in there, a 45 in there. And then it, down the stretch, he kind of did he performed pretty well, actually. Yeah. Down the stretch and into the playoffs. I think the problem was, and there's a lot of Bears fans saying, well, PFF wasn't right last year. He's just regressed. Mm-hmm. And again, I think the problem is looking at player evaluation from like a linear standpoint in this Madden mentality where, okay, now you're 70 overall to start. Well, then you're going to become a 73 and then you'll be a 76. And by year four, you're going to be an 82 and you're our guy and that's it. We're going to build around you. That's not how player progression works. The true analysis is look at all of last season. Every throw from week one to the end of the season mattered. And it didn't even matter if it went up and down and flowed and all that stuff. It's just here's this sample of work. And the unfortunate reality for Bears fans is that Trubisky's 2018 season is only slightly better than his 2019 season right now, where you're completely writing him off. That's it. The difference between this year and last year is he didn't have, he hasn't had that one outlier game, and he has not had Tariq Cohen going off, Allen Robinson bailing him out more than you know than he has this year. Taylor Gabriel bailing him out, and tight ends bailing, like he's just hasn't had the schemed up or outstanding playmaker type of games or plays to kind of bail him out. He's just too inaccurate at this point
0: yeah but also you know the numbers don't necessarily look horrendous all the time like if so he had four passes thrown away um yesterday you take those out his pass rating's are like 95
1: yeah it, so they don't
0: always so it's still it, kind of happy but that's yeah, what i'm yeah. saying you don't always he had those
1: late touchdowns he had the garbage time stuff. right at,
0: i know but anyone look that's what i'm saying anybody looking at him is like well that was terrible
1: but oh, right. the
0: passing rating, the passer rating doesn't always kill him. So you get this, you're in this permanent problem of having to deal with the fact that the box score numbers aren't necessarily horrendous.
1: Well, that was the Washington game. He didn't, he, in week three against Washington, he went 25 for 31 with three touchdowns. And remember, two of those touchdowns were absolute gimmies. Yes. One of them was pretty nice, one of them's real nice. And then he had a pick that essentially negated everything. It was a red zone pick that never, you know, so it's one of those where like the two touchdowns inflated that. Box score line. I mean, his his stats this year are still inflated, and he has a sure. rating of eighty two point eight.
0: So we we've probably hit the point where they have to be looking to move on from him, right? I just, not, think, I mean, not like right now. They're not going to fix this immediately. I, I'm but just the off season. A, you can't roll into twenty twenty with Trubisky as your starter. No, I mean, They a serious serious alternative.
1: I, I I I always look at this two ways, right? If I was in the room, in theory, I would have already been looking. I would have drafted right. Trubisky first over you know, with my first pick, and then still been looking. <laughs> All right, remember like, no, I remember, even if I am Sam know. Darnold with the Jets, uh-huh. I'm still looking. I'm still, I'm still looking elsewhere. I'm cheating. I'm not married. I'm cheating potentially. Right. Okay, but with Trubisky, in the way the NFL does it, the NFL says yeah drafted a guy give him four years yes you don't have time to give him four years your job's on the line too because if he doesn't pan out you're screwed so you need to start looking immediately but i think the way the nfl works once you hit this point where you showed that you might not be the guy which trubisky has i think in bears land then yes they're looking
0: um alan robinson beat was it eight or nine different defenders for catches dude the poor guy honestly i can never have enough sympathy for Allen robinson yeah, eight different defenders. Um, another. So, why has Anthony Miller not been good? I mean, obviously having Trubisky as your quarterback isn't going to help, but he was a
1: guy we really liked coming out. Hasn't done it at all. He's just flat. Yeah, he's flashed it. I mean, let, so this is this is the thing with the Bears too. I think the rest of the roster hasn't been great either. Right. Look at the offensive line. They were the team, much like the Titans, that was supposed to be solid to good at almost every position. And if you were doing mock drafts and all that stuff, you're like, man, I just don't have a position to fill. Just get depth. Just get good players. You know, just draft good players and, you know, eventually you, you know, they'll play or you'll need them. But the offensive line hasn't been as good. They haven't run the ball as creatively and as effectively as they did last year. Uh, the defense wasn't great yesterday against Teddy. Um, we've been waiting for this defensive regression, but they've been kind of saying, no, we're still here. But this this wasn't one of their finer games. Defensively, one of their worst over the last two years. So I think that's just kind of the struggle. If you have a better, if you have better quarterback play, you can handle a little bit of regression here and there. And that's yeah. that's the that's kind of like the story of the Bears. Season. What's
0: really concerning for Chicago is that they're still reeling from making all these trades, thinking Trubisky was the guy. So let's say, all right, we get into the 2020 off season. Now we're looking for a new quarterback. They don't have a first round pick. They have a second, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh round pick. Um, they also have, I think, one of those will become a fifth rounder. But they don't have the picks to go crazy for a quarterback. And they now need one. So, like, ironically, is Teddy... like an option for the bears as a quarterback
1: i think a lot of people have talked about foals and
0: teddy by the way is looking good now like he's he looks like he's actually he's looking pretty good getting his groove back
1: he absolutely is he's He's still gonna
0: be like he's not gonna morph into a dynamic downfield aggressive quarterback but he's at least not he's at least um becoming less conservative to the point where it's not like a real problem anymore
1: I mean, I could see it's going to be fascinating because I do think so back in 2014, when you and I were podcasting and we had far fewer than millions of listeners, Hmm. I think there was a point in the NFL back then where we said, get yourself a top 15 quarterback, get that mid-tier quarterback, right? Andy Dalton plus Andy Dalton rule. Just got to find one of those guys. Well, guess what? I think the NFL has 32 of those guys. I think Josh Allen. Is a is a, he's an NFL starting quarterback? Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew. All these guys are NFL starting quarterbacks. Case Keenum's like the guy that's kind of like on the is is he the the cutoff between the best backup in the NFL and an actual starter? Right. There's a lot of those guys. Yeah. So now the goal is to get a top ten guy, but I think along the way you're going to see. You know, like Marcus Mariota could be the guy who goes in and and has a little bit of success in Chicago. You know, there there are these guys that are going to... Jameis Winston's going to move around. Like, some of these guys are going to move around and have starting jobs all the while you're looking for that next big thing.
0: But that's what's really... that's This has gone from sort of... Like, Chicago Bears, in terms of uh, uh, optimism for the future, must have just driven off a cliff. Because they went from, hey, we finally got our quarterback, things are great... We make the trade for Khalil Mack. Now we're in business. We're going to be challenging for years to, uh-oh, Trubisky's not the guy. And now because we made the moves, we don't have the ammo to go get another guy. Now we're stuck with a retread of some kind. So so now you're in this spot where, like, if you are you just fire your coach, like things are going badly, get rid of your coach. The most exciting thing that can happen is you get the next great young thing, right? The The untested new coach who's going to bring in... You know, at least something, the unknown, the idea that we don't know what this guy could be. So obviously it's all hopeful. It's going to be great. The worst thing that you can do is you fire your coach and you hire a guy who's got history of going like 500, slightly above 500. You're like,
1: ugh. John Fox?
0: Right. You bring it, you hire your guy, you bring in John Fox. You're like, oh, God. Like what is the best thing that's going to happen is we're going to go 10 and 6 next year. Way, great. This is what this is where the Bears now are with quarterback. Like the best thing they can do is get a Teddy Bridgewater or a Jameis or a Mariota and be like, "Well, it didn't work out for them. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll go well here because the rest of our roster is good."
1: It's a tough, it's a tough spot to be in. And I think if the 2017 Jags were honest with themselves when they had Blake, Bortles, maybe the 2016 Jags <laughs> when they had Blake Bortles. Perhaps they would have taken a few shots elsewhere, especially with that roster that was, you know, getting some talent. Mm-hmm. If they had taken a shot on a Mahomes or a Watson or a Trubisky, I mean, whoever they had an opportunity to get, they did have opportunities at Mahomes and Watson. God,
0: that's the other thing that would make that a real kick in the, uh, in the stones is that like, I'm, they're not, so I'm not saying they're idiots for doing it because we had him that way pre-draft, but mm-hmm. you took Trubisky. Too the two guys you didn't take are Mahomes and Watson who are like two of the most spectacular young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So it's like being, you know, being the team that drafted was it Mike Munchak in the, or not Mike Munchak, uh, Mike Mamula in the year where it was like Troy Aikman, Barry Sanders, Deion yeah. Sanders, Mike Mamula, Brian Derek Thomas,
1: Brian anger over Russell Wilson.
0: Right. You, you're the guy you, you've not just took the wrong guy. <laughs>
1: Everybody else was a superstar. Uh, so, but yeah, this is, I think times. this is the whole point about quarterbacks. So, even if I looked at Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, and said, okay, here's some issues with their game, you just take them. Sure. Just take a million of them.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying that this is, it's gone from, it's, it's unspooled in the most spectacular manner possible for the Chicago Bears.
1: Anyway, we'll have much more But on the that Saints, situation. Let's talk about the Saints.
0: Did, have they gone undefeated with Teddy?
1: Yes. Other was- than, you know, the game, the game against the Rams in L.A., where Breeze came out early.
0: Right. So, But the idea was, so Breeze is talking about practicing next week, potentially coming back. Yes. Like from they may be screwed and completely like too far behind everybody by the time he gets back. <laughs> they haven't lost a game with this with That's Presetti what I'm saying with the, the NFC.
1: Ship. I mean, think about some of these potential playoff matchups. If you've got Saints and Packers, uh, the Vikings mixed in there, the 49ers who still haven't lost a game yet, Seattle in there, Dallas – in there, the eagles potentially if they can you know get back on track i mean every single nfc playoff matchup looks great yeah like like literally anything can happen so i think you know the saints one of the stories of the season i think is teddy slowly working his way back
0: so the teddy thing is fascinating right because he basically turned down the chance to potentially start this season for somebody
1: and took the next one-year deal. Think, I don't know if anybody was real. Was anybody really offering starting jobs?
0: I think, wasn't there talk that the, was it the Jags were going to give him a starting gig? Whatever. The, the, or maybe it was Miami. Actually, that sounds more likely. Miami. Well, there's a reason. Right. So that, that, to be fair, you can understand that. But anyway, the idea was, in theory, he turned down the chance to start. For one more year, as Drew Brees back up. Um, now, this is like the perfect scenario for him because he's come in. He's actually got a run of starts in in instead. And actually I think the way it's gone has been perfect for him as well because he didn't look good early on, has like worked off the rust in the past few weeks has actually looked like a viable starting quarterback who doesn't have the problems that were his main criticism early in that run. Um where what is what does his future look like? Is he now legitimately still waiting for Drew Brees to just leave, retire? So that he can take over for the Saints? Does he get? Does he end up being the Bears' starting quarterback in twenty twenty? Like, where does he end up?
1: Uh, so, from an NFL point of view, I still don't know. In this world of thirty two starters, where a lot of them aren't that different, I'm not terribly excited.
0: It sort of feels that he has been working to be the successor in New Orleans, right? Yeah. It's like at some but, point this guy's gonna go, but also he's
1: old. But Breeze has that same Brady mentality where they truly. They, right. I think in their head, play 50. they really think that they can do it and there's no signs of slowing down. And Breeze, it's not like Breeze has this chronic deal. He just had a freak injury on his thumb and he's going to bounce back and he's going to be fine, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think there's any other than salary cap issues where they keep pushing it and pushing it and yes. pushing it. I don't know if there's a sign of slowdown in, in, in New Orleans or Breeze retiring. You know so. what I
0: think might also be the difference between um, the recovery speed and some of these old people and us? When when Drew Brees wrecked his thumb, like the next week, he's there on the sideline with this weird rubber contraption doing like endless thumb movements on the sideline. Yeah, they rehab right, but you're probably supposed to do like you know do this five times a day, you know three sets of fifty, and he's just out there on the sideline during the game doing endless of them. You and me, we probably do like a set once. No, we work and then we stop. We have to
1: work. I, I yeah but do. at the
0: moment i don't think we are my I think job that's...
1: used to be to rehab i used to rehab as my job i'm not saying you back
0: you know when you were young and didn't break down as often oh. i'm saying you now with your busted up knees you know can't do two a days two a week um i'm saying right now you're not doing what he's doing with, no, his, no. with his endless thumb right.
1: squats or jeffrey simmons just rehabbing his acl non-stop for eight right. months he's that, got an advantage
0: that might have something to do with our relative lack of
1: recovery speed right now. Anyway, the Saints are legit. By the way, Khalil Mack, only three pressures. Ryan Ramchek. Dude, Ryan Ramchek is good. I mean, just the, the Saints offensive tackles. Again, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek, both dominant as pass blockers and in the run game in this one. Uh, they are still the best duo in the NFL. All right, let's go to the Baltimore Ravens beating the Seattle Seahawks 30-16. to 16. Let's start with Lamar. This was this was another game where I told you the rain had a factor. And maybe not necessarily in how well the guys threw the ball, but the output.
0: Are you saying that just because Mark Andrews couldn't catch anything yesterday?
1: Yeah, man. Lamar made... Lamar finished 9 for 20 with at least 5 passes that were direct drops or at least should have been caught. Should He had a nice seam up the yeah. you know, to, to, to Andrews that should have been caught. Um, I mean, he also got away with a slightly underthrown deep ball that got caught, whatever. But Um, Lamar threw the ball really well. And then he just went straight cheat mode as a runner. I just, I like the fact that he's just sitting on this scrambling ability. He only had five scrambles again for 86 yards, but then the two biggest runs of the game, they have a fourth and two touchdown run. And then a third and seven, I think, where it's just a designed run like, here, stop, stop me. Mm -hmm. And, and he's picking it up. So he finishes the game with I mean, an official fourteen for one sixteen. It was really eleven carries for one eight, uh one nineteen. Eleven for one nineteen if you take out his 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 knees. That's uh that's tough to stop.
0: It is. Um uh, this is an interesting game because it kinda hinged on DK Metcalf
1: just throwing the ball on the floor. So that was weird too. Can we finish with Lamar though? Yeah. So the other part of his game, right? So even though he went nine for like statistically, the game was not good, even though he threw the ball well nine for 20 for 143. This is the type of stat line you see in college football all the time. You see a quarterback go like JT Barrett used to do this all the time at Ohio State nine for 20 for 140. He was missing throws left and right, but all the, but he carried like 23 for 128 and a couple scores. So it's a little different, but it's one of those like speed doesn't slump type of concepts even in Lamar's worst games throwing the ball and this wasn't his worst game throwing the ball, but statistically it wasn't great. He still has the rushing ability that you could put up a passer rating of 69.4 and still find a way to put points on the board because of your running ability. All that said, you've got a pick six and a fumble six. So it's not like it was a dominant performance by the Ravens offense, but I just find it. I found it to be a very impressive game for Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, Lamar is a unique proposition to deal with for a defense. He is extremely hard to figure out, but particularly because they've embraced it. This is, this is what the Baltimore Ravens offense that we speculated around draft time needed to look like. It yeah. was, there was a path to NFL success for Lamar Jackson, but it looks different to, this, to the path for any other quarterback. And the Ravens embraced that. They have created an offense that hinges on what he can do and consequently, it's really hard to stop. NFL teams are not used to facing it. It does some unique things. It puts him in a good position to succeed, and it makes everything a hell of a lot harder for the defense. Now, it lo- it's even more difficult to stop if he could get just a little bit more accurate, which is what we saw the first couple of weeks of the season. He wasn't missing those throws. And by missing them, I'm not necessarily talking about where you're just – they, the ball doesn't get to where it's supposed to be but ones where you make it difficult for guys to catch it
1: the actual ball location yesterday wasn't great but again i think in the rain you get a little bit of a pass so i'm just i giving everybody a pass today apparently there are there are certain narratives that we could push that that match up with everything we've pushed previously and i don't want to go overboard pushing it if there are mitigating circumstances like rain
0: okay that's all fair enough
1: but you're right um, there could be
0: better And then, as I say, so this game, it was a close game. And then DK Metcalf just threw the ball on the ground. And apart from it didn't turn out it was just a fumble and a turnover, they managed to scoop it and score. So immediately, now you're, you know, that changes everything. It's a giant swing. So that was a huge part of where this game started to go away from Seattle. Um,
1: This is... I tweeted yesterday, is this not Seattle's nightmare game? This is why they run the ball 35 times a game. Because they 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 go back and they just look at it and they're like, okay, we scored 16 points. It was really 13. They added the late, late field goal. We scored 16 points. Russell had to throw the ball 41 times. He dropped back 44 times. And we only got 21 carries for Chris Carson and one for CJ process. Like we didn't run the ball enough. This is, this is their biggest fear. They threw the ball twice as much as they ran it.
0: It certainly didn't. It didn't help the people that want to argue against that Russell Wilson narrative of he can't be trusted when he has to throw the ball above, you know, X number of times because ultimately that's what had to happen in this game when the thing started to get away from them, and this wasn't Russell Wilson's best game.
1: But even before it got away, like the general flow of the game, they probably passed a little bit more than they normally would. And then this is that game once a year where you say, okay, so you take away his one touchdown was was awesome, under pressure, and he kind of flipped it up, and he got you know got it to uh, Lockett, it, who it made a nice catch in the end zone. But under pressure, you just can't sustain great play under pressure. Like we talk about that all the time, right? So Wilson under pressure was six for 18 for 109 with that, with that touchdown in there but even after that like with the touchdown 73.6 passer rating like that's still better than expected but 6 for 18 is rough like that's yeah tough to like that's coming down to earth after he's been killing it under pressure the clean pocket stuff though 14 for 23 for 132 with the pick six and the pick six was bad mm-hmm. i mean it was late it was terrible marcus peters yeah gets it so the so the clean pocket stuff production was not good this is the argument against Wilson if we give him you know quick game and we replace the run game with just him dropping back and making good decision after good decision inevitably he's going to let us down with the pick six even though overall it was not a terrible game for Russell Wilson he was still pretty good but I think rain game didn't help and he missed a couple throws and he had the bad pick six that probably probably ruined everything right it
0: really is I mean this is the game that that those people would point to to say look see you want us to open it up this is what happens when we do and you know, ultimately, it probably comes down to he needs to actually show that isn't true at some point. Like, it's as much as you can sit there and defend and say, well, it shouldn't be. There's no reason why that would happen. Um, These are the games that he needs to not have if he's going to be trusted more. Yeah. Now, maybe he doesn't care. Like, maybe he's happy being the quarterback that attempts the fewest amount of passes in the NFL, knowing that he can be the most efficient in that scenario. Let the team run this kind of vaguely archaic-looking offensive game plan, and to hell with it, we'll win a Super Bowl. But maybe, he you, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's fine with that. But conceptually, if he wants to be seen as the same as every other quarterback, then he needs to prove that he's not going to do this when that happens.
1: I will say, for all that we hammer home, the concept of run games overrated and all that stuff and put more on Russell Wilson's plate, there is this idea that I think the way they run their play action game and they, you know, he's got 23% of his dropbacks have been off, off play action. That's about middle of the pack. They do run concepts that are favorable to his game. Right. I mean, I also don't feel terribly comfortable with Russell Wilson dropping back 50 times a game and you know, quick game, this and intermediate that, and just straight drop back game all the time because he's going to do so many things outside of structure that it becomes a little bit more volatile. Although over time, it'll be fine. But he has a rating of 133.6, 10.7 yards per attempt just off play action this year. You know, I, I think they put him into favorable play action concepts, which he's awesome at because it's like, here's the deep over. Here's the dig, you know, hit, hit the deep ball and he can do that. So I'm kind of back and forth on it. I still think over time you're going to do better putting the ball in his hands.
0: Yeah, and I that may be true, but as I say at but some there are point few games and at some point he needs to prove that that's true. Yeah. Otherwise that will perpetually be the narrative and that's what will happen. So, this I mean, he didn't in this game. Next time, next time things go south, Russell. Yeah. How about you show up more?
1: Um, how about the Ravens secondary? We talked about this on the preview show having high-end playmakers like Marcus Peters and Earl Thomas back there. Just incredible to what what they could potentially do. You can't you can't force like four turnovers per game or anything like that but just the ability to get the ball back for your offense the way Peters and Earl play adds a lot to that D.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that will help. Um they they're an interesting team Baltimore cuz I think we kind of assumed that they'd fallen off a bit and some of the early evidence was suggesting that but they're starting to kind of get back on track. There's still a pretty concerning lack of general Pass rush pressure or sources of primary sources of pass rush pressure. They're able to scheme up some, but there's nobody out there that's going to wreck people consistently. Um, and that at some point will be an issue.
1: Um, let's discuss the coaching really quick. I'm sure our friends at the forecast discussed it already on their podcast, which we highly suggest you guys download and check out. They'll talk a lot more about game theory type of stuff. We've been critical of Pete Carroll a few times on this show about. He's kicking field goals in fourth and one situations and all this stuff. I mean, this was very conservative. Pete Carroll punting on fourth and short field goals on fourth and short. Jim Harbaugh looked like he was going to line up for a field goal. Would have been like a 30-yard field goal, or whatever. He comes back out after the timeout and says, no, I'm going for it. Yep. On fourth and two. And I believe it was 13 to 10 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And We've- then it put them up two scores. Right. Because We've- they got it on fourth and two.
0: We've made that point before that. Getting those decisions consistently right just gives you such an edge over coaches that aren't doing
1: it. Sorry, it was 13 to 13 at the time. And the Ravens basically said eight yard. We're at the eight yard line, fourth and two. Mm-hmm. The decision there is is pretty simple. The three points is really nothing. I mean, the three points does nothing for you in the long run compared to if I convert this. And then, oh, by the way, if I don't convert it, they have to go 92 yards yeah. to score so the likelihood that we'll have another field goal opportunity pretty soon is about the same as Seattle having a, good, a field goal opportunity soon. Yeah. So we're actually just as likely to score next. I mean, that, again, that's the reasoning. The Ravens continue to make this good decision over you and can, over again.
0: You can anecdotally paint best and worst case scenarios in either situation. The point with all these decisions is what does the what do the numbers say overall? What are the percentage chances of this happening? And teams like the Ravens, are consistently going with the bigger edge and therefore getting better results over the long haul. And it just gives you a consistent edge over coaches that aren't, over coaches that are thinking purely in anecdotal terms, what what do I feel like is the most likely outcome here? It's like, well, okay, but what you feel like is the most likely outcome probably isn't. And there are numbers that suggest something else. So if we run with those, we have a way better chance of this thing working out. Now, every now and again, you'll get one right or you'll look like, you know, but it, it's just taking the decision out of the hands of the guy that's essentially just making an educated guess versus what the numbers say. And it's a huge edge. for these make, teams.
1: make good decisions over time. And I think it's going to work out for you. And that's what the Ravens are doing. that might be our uh, AWS good decision of the week, right? I would assume so, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what comes up. All right. Sunday night football. Dallas Cowboys, 37. Philadelphia Eagles, 10. Yeah. So last week at this time, we said both of these offenses, we use the same description. It's like, I think the two quarterbacks are playing pretty well, but this week felt disjointed last week. It was Dallas against the jets and it was the Eagles. Who did they play last week? They just felt disjointed offensively against the Vikings, right? It's like, ah, here's a good play here and there on third down or whatever this game. It felt like Kellen Moore was back He's got his plate calling down, and he's like, "Hey, you look. You think I'm going to run? I'm running play action. You think I'm going to play action? I'm running." Like, he just felt like they were in much better rhythm, and they they sprinkled Zeke in efficiently.
0: Yeah, I think this was a game that was essentially won on both sides of the ball by Dallas's front, by the trenches. Dallas's offensive line was able to completely neutralize what should be a really good and dominant Eagles defensive line. And in particular, this is the first game where Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins are both back. And you know, we said before, I don't know, there's that many more non-quarterback players that have as big an impact when they're not there than Tyron Smith does for Dallas. So Smith and Collins being back really had an effect. The Eagles didn't get much pressure at all. They got you know three different guys got sacks, but two of those guys, the sack was all they got in terms of pressure in the game. Um, Brandon Graham had one hurry. Nothing else. Um, Fletcher Cox had a sack and nothing else. So they were able to really slow down that pass rush and they beat them when it came to the run game as well. Like they dominated on the ground, hence Zeke's impressive uh, day. And then the other side of the ball, you had the Eagles' offensive line. You know, Lane Johnson is another one of those players, arguably the best right tackle in the NFL. Um, He was getting, he was kind of getting his ass kicked by, uh, by DeMarcus Lawrence. Yeah. Um, and there were multiple Cowboys players that got significant amounts of pressure. So I really think they won this game on uh, like in the trenches on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I wasn't expecting a, a blowout like this. They felt like two evenly matched teams. Uh, I did say, I did hear Eric on the forecast a little bit, talk about, Hey, do we need to rethink a lot of what we thought about the Eagles? Apparently like what's missing here. I, I I thought that they would have great playmakers, in part because of Deshaun Jackson, but I thought because of the variety of guys that they were throwing out there, defenses were going to have trouble. We thought that their offensive line would be great. I mean, Jason Peters got hurt. We're not surprised by that. Yeah, but um, and then defensively, we keep saying, yeah, they're just they've got they've got that good pass rush, which you said was neutralized yesterday, but they just don't have the guys to cover on the back end. Rasul Douglas torched again. Amari Cooper making incredible plays this kind of feels like the Eagles pre Super Bowl team where they just can't stop the pass and then the passing games just inconsistent enough to to kind of keep them out of it
0: yeah they desperately need a high-end coverage player have we just been are we getting played off I think we are huh wow we're getting played off huh this is like the audio version of the hook that comes in oh yeah
1: yanks nobody likes our did everybody leave youtube <laughs> it's just in our ear sam we're just
0: yeah because if nobody else hears this this is it's like the two of us just had a stroke live on so there's just kept talking this is, about this is what random. i'm saying
1: like espn's not gonna pick up our show because we react to everything that's in our headset we, we didn't answer the voice espn's not gonna come knocking look we didn't answer the voice in our ear
0: that's the important thing this is just that's very unprofessional very bad again. Don't answer the voice. Anyway, I think it's I think it's reasonable to react to music. Start randomly playing.
1: So Carson Wentz, this was his worst game. Put the ball in harm's way too much. He's you know holding the ball. Like he's he's in that. He's that guy that's the spectacular plays under pressure, offset by the the bad ones because he's right trying to make so many of them. You know this is like holding the ball too long. Fumbles had a couple of misreads of coverage, but also had some spectacular throws in there as well. Um, and then I just think Dak. Dak has these games where he just looks so comfortable and efficient. And other than heaving up uh, an interception, that was kind of weird. Yeah. He looks pretty good.
0: There's some game flow sort of things that impact games like this as well. Like, you know, obviously Dallas start well. Immediately, like Carson Wentz drops back. Helmet to the ball, pops out. Immediate turnover. Dallas march down. Double the lead. Like those kind of plays. This is what's kind of interesting about football is that Single plays like that can completely change how games are going to go. Sure. Like this could have been a back and forth, interesting battle where both teams, you know, were kind of holding their own. But immediately, through one play, the Eagles are like hip deep in a hole. And now everything changes because you've got to, like, you probably don't have to, but teams do. They completely sort of change the game plan because, oh, crap, now we're 14 nothing down. We got to start making some moves to get back in this. Otherwise, it's going to get away from us and everything goes wrong. Reality, uh, realistically speaking, you're only like a drive down. There's a lot of ball game left. You could probably yeah, right. execute the game
1: plan as you had it, um, and that might actually be the smartest to, thing to do. But I felt like they were still trying to establish the run. Sure,
0: the I just think that this, like that game sort of swung the way everything was going to go. Suddenly, Wentz, you know, feels he's going to make a lot more plays, and that like as much as his game had kind of been predicated on making those plays anyway like he wasn't able to in this game and suddenly everything goes bad.
1: Yeah. And that's what I'm saying about the Eagles offense. They lack again. I always use Brady breeze. All the, they even Rogers, right. They lack a little bit of that. Here's this 10 or 12 play drive where I'm going to go six for six for, you know, 55 yards, seven for seven for 50 yards, whatever it is. And it's just, you know, short stuff, move it down and and have some patience. It is too predicated on, I think on those chunk plays. And when it works, it looks great when it doesn't, then you score 10. Hmm. Your boy Boston Scott got seven carries for 32 yards in garbage time when they were just trying to run the clock out. Also so. had
0: a nice uh, return. They yeah. got negated because some idiot blocked in the bank. Yeah,
1: that's another just sideshow for us. Like, here's my Boston Scott time. Just my 10 favorite players. Yeah. We each just discuss our 10 favorite players, irrelevant of anything. It's funny the way and Terry that, that, McLaurin hour. It's
0: like, you know, the way... The Giants replaced Eli Manning with Eli Manning. Like Darren Sproles goes down and the Eagles replaced Darren Sproles with Darren Sproles.
1: It's not Darren Sproles yet. Just,
0: that, and Daniel Jones isn't Eli Manning
1: yet, but you know, we're going to roll with it. Boston Scott, the next Darren Sproles. Yeah. All right. We kept it under two hours, Sam. Just about. Is Dallas back as a Super Bowl contender? <laughs> they lost to the Jets a week ago, by the way. Right. That's As, It's going to so, take a while to get over that. This is my wife's analysis, right? Because I'm like, no, the NFC is loaded. She goes, they just lost to the Jets last week. Maybe the AFC is better than you think. That's her. Fair That's point. her take. That's a fair point. Well Maybe made. it is. Maybe the Sam Darnold Jets are the real Super Bowl contenders. We'll find out tonight on Monday Night Football. And it's not the Cowboys.
0: Oh, yeah. What's our 30-second analysis of that?
1: I think the Jets' D might be able to keep it close. I think the Jets' offense will have a tough time against new england's defense yeah it's one of those like road division games it's on paper it's like oh it's new england it's the jets you know but i think ultimately the patriots understand how to
0: beat that defense therefore they should yeah. win
1: i also said uh feels like the wild card hype game where the team gets smoked so either way i'll be right i think new england wins though okay there it is week seven now play the music is in the books this is real music in my ear is this real Yeah. This is the real one. Now we're at. Hey, ESPN, we are professional enough. Buy the podcast. Come get us. Let us, um, or NFL, just not that we're trying to be sold or anything, but I don't want them to buy it. We could be like a big, we could have more than millions. We could have tens of millions of listeners. Okay. I don't even know what I'm selling. All right, guys, we'll be at, we'll be back Wednesday on YouTube and Thursday on your podcast provider. Mm -hmm. Get PFF Elite.